Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicke and as always I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hey Dave, how's it going? Do you, I always edit it out, but your big inhale before you start the intro is fantastic. I made it even bigger than usual today, didn't I? Really just to get the words out. I leave it in and I turn it up. <laughs> so it always starts with... <laughs> Give me a sec, guys. <laughs> Great to be here. Uh, obviously, ran ran here. Um, yeah, I'm training for a marathon. No, you're not. That's not true. It's not true, everyone. That is recording on a treadmill. No, I'm not training for a marathon, but I have been training for our 300th live <laughs> episode. The segues on yeah. this guy. Where was he going? Oh. Oh. I've been training for 299 weeks with you guys. Yeah. And I think we're finally ready. To live stream our 300th episode this Saturday night, July the 10th. And you can watch it from anywhere in the world. You can watch it live as it goes out, comment along with other people, or you can watch it on Catch Up. I like that as a selling point. You can comment along. (laughs) Well, some people really get in there and then often they get to the end of the episode and say, no idea what they said. Yeah, they've just been having a chat. I'll have to listen to it. Which is lovely. Yeah, Yeah. that's great. It's a social way to watch it if you're interested. Or you can just watch it any other time uh, on Catch Up. On demand, mm. and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd love to uh, love to see you there. Obviously, we won't be seeing you there, but you'll be seeing us there. We'd love for you to see us there. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, there's like an exclusive extra show at the end that you only get if you get tickets to the the stream, mm-hmm. and that's even on catch up. Even on catch up, 
And uh, there's also there's going to be there's tickets for people in the room, but they're all gone, aren't they, Dave? There's a few tickets left. We've been able to increase. We just had a few Patreon people in the room, but uh, we've increased capacity just slightly. So there's a couple of tickets, and I'm I literally mean a couple. If you want to come see us in the room Saturday night. This Saturday, 10th of July, at 8.30pm, Melbourne time. But, you know, you can work it out. There's actually a listing on the SOSPresents.com ticket link where it says what time it will be for you all around the world. Mm. I'm so excited for that. People can also come to see us if if they want to wait a bit longer. In November, we're at the Palais for the Great Australian Beer Spectacular. No, that's not right. <laughs> the Great Australian Podcast Festival. That's right. We are doing... That's another big Saturday night show. Yeah. Uh, like you said, at the Palais, lots of great great other podcasts are being a part of this. You know, you've got uh, our friends at the Dum Dum Club, Tofop with Will Anderson, Can Ursula Can we call Carson. them our friends? Tofop. Actually, I went to the footy with Charlie, so... Yeah. That's something you do with friends. Yeah, You exactly. can't go to the footy with a stranger. He did keep saying, okay, acquaintance... Uh, sit a little further away, but it's interesting that he said that. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. Okay, <laughs> I think it's just Charlie being Charlie. <laughs> a little bit further. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Fuck off. And you were like, ah, I love banter. Love banter between mates, <laughs> friends, best friends. So yeah, tickets uh, for that are available right now. The Great Australian Podcast Festival dot com. And uh, if if you're in the mood for seeing stuff, why not come see me do some stand-up comedy? I'm coming to Brisbane on the 14th of July. I'm pretty sure that's sold out, though. Uh, new show is in Adelaide on the 15th of July. Uh, there are tickets available to that. I haven't been to Adelaide for a while. Adelaide notoriously don't buy tickets to things. Mm. So... <laughs> Prove them wrong. Prove them wrong. And, hey, what a great chance. We haven't been to do a do-go-on over there for a while. If enough people say to me after the show, hey, why don't you bring do-go-on? I'll get right on the phone to Jess there and then and say, Jess, book it in. And I'll say, who is this? <laughs> I'll say, fuck off. <laughs> over there? No. <laughs> a little How did further. you get this number? <laughs> But the biggest one I'd love people to um, grab tickets to is I'm doing a taping. I'm going to tape the show so that people can see it in other places who haven't I haven't been able to get to uh, in recent times uh, around the world. So uh, if you want to be in that, if you want to immortalise the back of your head, <laughs> maybe even your laugh, ideally. Mm. <laughs> ideally you're laughing. Probably. Uh, Has he got a really funny head? Yeah. I want to immortalise your funny looking head. <laughs> so uh, you can... Come along to that on Thursday, the 29th of July. There's two sessions, 6.30 and 8.30. Uh, the 6.30 one is getting close to selling out, and the 8.30 one's got tickets available. Come to both if you want to. Come to back-to-back. Yeah. See, fun. See how many words I say differently. Wow. <laughs> Good. It's normal. It could be as many as seven or eight. And at the end, approach Matt and say, <laughs> it was nine tonight. <laughs> yeah, let him know. Uh, but, yeah, that would be really cool to see you at, at those... Um, that one, the the taping is at this very studio, Stupid Old Studios. Oh, a beautiful studio. Um, Absolutely beautiful. A second home, third uh, home. What's Fourth? second for you? Second would probably be like my parents' place, I guess. <laughs> Not- third would be like the holiday home I've gone to my whole life. Um, that's and then this would probably be four. For holiday that's pretty home. good. Yeah, the half. Oh wow! My grandparents' uh, little wooden shack. Stupid Old Studios was uh, literally my only home for a while when yeah. I lived here. Um, but anyway. <laughs> anyway, you can get tickets to all those shows, the 300th episode, the Great Australian Podcast Festival, all of Matt's fantastic stand-up gigs, uh, and we've put a link in the description of this episode to all of those. Just click through. Very easy. Yeah. Very, it's click too easy, if anything. A too easy. MattStewartComedy.com is my one if you can't be bothered scrolling. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> if that's not easy enough. Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right, let's crack into this episode. And uh, you know what? I'm going to ask Matt, what do we do here? What oh, are we doing well, here? Jeez, I'm, I normally am the one who throws that question out, so I haven't no. had to answer it in He's a while. He's been throwing me under the bus a lot lately, so you have a go. Which is fun, and I can see now how it's also mean. <laughs> so what happens is one of the three of us uh, gets a topic, usually suggested by a listener, often voted by uh, uh, Patreon supporters. We go away, we research it, we read about it, we watch some docos about it. We just bathe in it, mm-hmm. bathe in the knowledge. Oh, yeah. And then we bring that knowledge back in the form of a report and we read it out to the other two who don't know what the topic's going to be until the report starts. And it always starts with a question. This week, Dave is doing the topic. So I'm still wet from the knowledge bath. <laughs> I've just come straight in. I hated that I forgot so much. To- oh, Jess, you didn't need to say so. It was clear. <laughs> in my silence and my disappointment. I came straight in. I didn't even have time to grab a towel and I apologise. But the knowledge is fresh. <laughs> Look, there's some. Just splash Jess in the face. With <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, the, the, the question that we the start with. starts with a question. What's this week's question, Dave? All right, my question for you is John Stonehouse and John Bingham, the seventh Earl of Lucan, were both members of British Parliament, and in 1974, they both what? Became, wait, Lucan, isn't that like, that's werewolves or vampires, isn't it? No. I've no. What's the word I'm thinking of? It Wicked. doesn't matter. <laughs> Wicked? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh. They both. Think of Lupin? Is that Lupin, probably. Oh. Lupin. Is it? Doesn't matter. I just think they both became werewolves. That's my guess. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's looking in werewolves. <laughs> I'm saying in what year is it? 74? 1974. They... I think they both did a come. Oh, they became dads. Cannot confirm, (laughs) nor deny. Yeah, you can pretty much assume that. Yeah, they went the whole year. So I think a dry year. I think I got you on a fucking. But they did it doggy style because they were werewolves. (laughs) (laughs) Bit of regret face early on there. Um, Let me just tell you. There's a clue. uh, Wait, what? So is this something we would know? Would we have heard? No, but you can get. No, you wouldn't probably know the story, but you can probably they guess died. what happened to them. Ooh. They disappeared. They disappeared. <laughs> yeah. <you>. Matt, <laughs> fuck you. That was great, honestly. <laughs> Praise you. <laughs> like you should. <laughs> Matt, fuck you. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Like you should. <laughs> That's right, in 1974. Fuck you, like I should. Uh, 1974, John Stonehouse and John Bingham, both members of British Parliament, and they both disappeared. Wow. 74. Let me tell you all about 1974. 1974. Wow, that's weird. Um, This one was voted for by the Patreon supporters. A Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe, Deluxe Memorial Package uh, members. So thank you so much for uh, choosing this topic. And it's been suggested, because it is essentially two different topics here. Oh. Uh, suggested by a few people. Lord Lucan, the first guy. He, he suggested it himself. <laughs> wow. What? Talk about me. Please. A bit desperate, mate. Come on. And he's even, like, in the suggestion, listed his location. <laughs> he's like, please find me. Find me. <laughs> uh, suggested by uh, Dan Smith from South End on Sea in the UK, Chris Williams from South Wales, James Edwards from London, Scott Coventry from Greenwich, Holly Franklin from Yorkshire, Julie Bay in Iowa, and Ben Whittingham in Liverpool. And then the other guy, John Stonehouse, suggested by two people, Ella Robinson-Clark from Melbourne and Hannah Nell 
Kershinsky from Erfat in Israel. Oh, awesome. That's a, so it's a worldwide topic. Yeah, a lot of it seemed like there was quite a few Brits in there. Mm. It might be. A They'd probably be a bit there. more familiar. Yeah. So you guys don't know either of those. Two I want. Is it their kind of Harold Holt? Maybe. Well, let's find out. Mm. <laughs> that feels like a yes. <laughs> Sounds a fucking question, Dave. <laughs> it's honestly. Fuck's sake! You not fucking asshole. <laughs> fucking answer the question. Jeez, you're dropping a few F's today, <laughs> Jess. Yeah. Too many. <laughs> Yeah, Effin and Jeff and all over the place. Jeff and Jeff. Have I met my quota already? <laughs> I'm afraid so. Damn! We really have a PG rating. <laughs> uh, We're not jo- quite past the watermark. <laughs> <laughs> John Thompson Stonehouse was born on the 28th of July 1925 in Southampton on the south coast of England. And when I googled Southampton scones, it looks like they did them correctly, put the jam on the bottom. <laughs> Thank you, Google correctly. Images. <laughs> So that was uh, maybe that puts you off this guy already, Matt. But it is it is funny that you're so proud of this thing that everyone does. <laughs> Even, you just, mean everyone does it correctly? Well, every, I mean, if you think mainstream is correct, then sure. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy listening to Coldplay and having your <laughs> jam on first. So do you like underground scones? Yeah, <laughs> I like scones you've probably never even heard of. <laughs> you would, like, it's fine that you don't get it, but that's just how... You've probably never even heard of the combinations I use. <laughs> it's pretty embarrassing, but... Whatever. Dirt and bricks. <laughs> Tastes good. You wouldn't get it. Uh, John Stonehouse was born into quite a political family. His mother, Rosina, was a former mayor, mayor and councillor in Southampton, and his father was a trade unionist. It seemed that young John was destined for a political life, and at the age of 16, he joined the Labour Party. He was conscripted into the Royal Air Force in 1944 and after the war was educated at the London School of Economics. He was a very smart guy and boasted about having an IQ of 140. I boast about it. Sounds cool. <laughs> sounds cool. <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a cool guy I'd love to hang around with. I don't even know. A 16-year-old politician <laughs> who boasts about his IQ. Sounds like a real cool guy. Yeah. Like a cool guy. Sounds like a, a cool guy I would have yeah. seen at train stations in my youth. Yeah. Um, Eating a scone correctly, though. Mainstream. What's a high IQ? Well, Jess, I'm glad you asked because I wanted to put that into context with other famous people and I came across two articles. The first was called Celebrities with Surprisingly High IQs and another one was called Dumb as a Box of Hammers, Celebrities with Low IQs. Great. Well, I can't wait to find out which <laughs> list I'm on. <laughs> I've got to Your tell answer you. may shock you. <laughs> uh, I just went with the high IQs page for context. If that scale is right, 140 would make John Stonehouse slightly smarter than Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was 132 to 135, but not as intelligent as Lisa Kudrow, who's listed, uh, listed as 154. Okay. Does, that, does that put that into context? She studied science, I believe. That's I guess you've got to be pretty smart for that. <laughs> 154 hey. is, that's genius level. Wow. Uh, he's very intelligent. 140 is near genius. Uh, anything above 140, you're off the chart. Oh, shit. So he's very, very smart guy. Where am I? Okay. Uh, you're also off the chart, but. <laughs> the other way. <laughs> I've got emotional intelligence. <laughs> yeah. I've got straight smarts. Yeah. What's your <laughs> okay. street IQ? My <laughs> street IQ? Uh, 200. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Max points. Yeah. That's way more than Lisa Kudrow's street IQ. Yeah. So she gets mugged all the time. Yeah, not <laughs> so me. That's what does. She gets mugged by me mostly. <laughs> I mug Lisa Kudrow all the time. Is Street IQ your success as a criminal? Yes, <laughs> nerd. Yeah, what is street smarts? Is it, it's, is it to do with mugging? If you have to ask. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> have Sorry, it. mate. You don't got it. <laughs> hey, 
I'm not smart in the streets, but I'm smart in the sheets. <laughs> Just saw that coming a long way. <laughs> I fucking knew it. Sheet smarts. Oh, God. Time you said you were Mensa in the sheets. <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And a whole crowd just like laughing, but also going, no, you're not. <laughs> hey, you, you check out the listicle. Celebrities who are surprisingly smart in the sheets. <laughs> uh, Stonehouse served as director and then president of the London Cooperative Society, but his dream was to be a politician and he ran in the 1949 county council election. And lost. He then contested the seat of Twickenham in 1950 and lost. Okay. Then in Burton in 1951, he lost. Okay. All right. I'm seeing a pattern. <laughs> but finally, in 1957, he stood for the seat of Wensbury in the West Midlands and was elected to the House of Commons, which is the UK Parliament's lower house, at the age of 32. He's just All trying right. every seat. He's, I'm imagining, do you have to live in the area? Is he moving <laughs> He's house moving a lot? all the time. <laughs> He's like, okay, struck out there, next. <laughs> I'm a local. I'm campaigning on local values. Love I love it, it here love in it here. check notes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, down at the local shops in the the, yeah. the, the, the quarry? Oh. <laughs> is that what that is? Is it a quarry? That, you guys got Bunnings? That famous tree that oh. we all know and love. <laughs> oh, you don't know the tree? <laughs> you call yourself a local. Hey, welcome just, to town. He's just noob. gaslighting people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a dick. Yeah, real piece of work, this guy. <laughs> Do we like this guy or not? I can't tell. Well, you tell me. Well, I just asked you. I mean, he's got the... Uh, I'm asking the, you to tell I- me. High IQ oh, yeah, that no. he's boasting about. Of course, he's yeah. hanging out at train stations, apparently. I like him a lot. He's... um. Contesting election after election. Yes. Uh, in February 1959, Stonehouse travelled to Rhodesia, which is uh, now Zimbabwe, on a fact-finding tour, which sounds fun. Mm. Uh, but it wasn't that fun for him because within two years he was expelled from Rhodesia after criticising the white minor- minority government of southern Rhodesia and encouraging black residents to stand up for their rights. Oh. So maybe we do like this guy. Uh, but according to the Shropshire Star, his stance on ethnic minorities won him good support back home and his career began to take off. Oh, okay. So he kicked out, but it looked good for him. Right. Interesting. And in 1967, he became the Minister of State for Technology and he was the last holder of the post of Postmaster General and oversaw the introduction of second-class stamps in 1968. And if that's not a big claim to fame. Wow. I'm he sick oversaw. of being treated like a second-class stamp. <laughs> second-class tramp. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, politically, he seemed destined for great things. Apparently, he wanted to be prime minister. And looking at his trajectory here, it probably didn't seem like too far-fetched of an idea. Hmm. At around the same time, another star was on the rise, albeit in a different echelon of UK society. John Bingham, our other character today, was born in Marleybone in London on the 26th of August, <gasps> 1934. <Ooh>. <laughs> Matt can never remember which one of us. <laughs> oh, that's one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very important date on the calendar. Thank you. <laughs> Happy birthday to one of you. <laughs> Happy birthday to John Bingham, please. Yeah. Uh, he was born to George Charles Patrick Bingham, the sixth Earl of Lucan, oh. and Baroness Caitlin Elizabeth Ann Dawson. Elizabeth Ann Dawson. Caitlin. Okay, yeah. There's a lot in there. Yeah, a lot of names. 
feel like that's them being like, all right, I've got to pay tribute to you. Yeah. And you and also Aunt, Aunt, Aunt Caitlin. I don't, yeah, I hadn't heard many Caitlins back then. That's interesting. I'm yeah. probably wrong. I just haven't heard of that many Caitlins back in the day, you know? Back in the 30s. Well, he was born in the 30s, so she was probably born in what, the... 20s? Yeah. Had him young back then. They did have him young. In the 10s. She's probably born in the 10s. Uh, Big M, this is the young one, was born into an Anglo-Irish aristocratic family that had once owned vast estates. He had some famous relatives, including the third Earl of Lucan, who was commander of the British cavalry and, when acting on Lord Raglan's orders, ordered the fateful Charge of the Light Brigade during the Crimean War, which is a comedy of errors that is definitely worthy of a report one day. That's a, is that a song as well? Yes, it's, a, it's a, a Tennyson poem, I believe. A poem. Charge of the Light Brigade. Yeah, I know nothing about that, but that phrase sounds very familiar. Yeah, yeah it's a, and it was like immortalised by that, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that was. Uh, Tennyson it was. Yes. <laughs> um... By the 1930s, the family had lost its lands, though, and most of its fortune. Oh. Though I should say they were still very well off. Oh. They just were, they, before they had just excessive amounts of money. Oh, dear. According to the Irish Times, Lucan's father was a socialist, but his son would grow up with no such sympathy for left-wing politics. Instead, he would grow up to embrace an old-fashioned aristocratic lifestyle, drinking, gambling, and spending money that he didn't have. Oh, that's the way to do it. Live fast. Yeah. But do go on way. <laughs> <laughs> Live fast. Regret it. Yeah. Die real yeah, old and crap. sad. <laughs> yeah. Live fast diarrhea. Classic Vandalist tune. And I think we live by that. Yeah. It's a bit of fun. I do love to live fast and diarrhea. <laughs> uh, despite his perceived privilege, the young lord didn't have the easiest childhood, it should be said. During the Second World War, at the age of six, he was evacuated to Wales and North America and was separated from his parents for five years. Oh, no. And on his return, they sent him straight to boarding school at the very expensive Eton College. So he didn't have a great relationship with his Eton College comes up a bit in, I think, in past reports. Watching The Crown, I think that's where, like, Prince Charles and and a lot of prime ministers went. Yes. Uh, I was looking it up. The the school fees there is equivalent to over $100,000 a year. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. Very expensive. Okay. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm sitting in, the, um, sitting in the office going, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> okay, well, I'll have a look into that. Yes. Um, Thank you. Is that yeah. my phone ringing? <laughs> Sorry. I just that. I just want to, because um, my dad does listen to this podcast, so I just want, Dave, if you could just say those school fees just one more time. Um, uh, uh, 100000 Per year. So, Dad, maybe stop telling me how much my schooling cost. Um, <laughs> I turned out fine and, you know, it could have been worse. <laughs> is, that, is that really something that comes up a bit? Dad loves to tell me how much it, ra- it costs to raise kids. Well, I mean, that's a good lesson to learn. Well, yeah. it costs more to raise royal kids. <laughs> yeah. Hmm? Dad. That's a, if, you think about, if you're thinking about becoming a lord. Yeah. Lord John. Which I was. I was thinking about coming, becoming a lord. In fact, you made us yeah, that night right. a lord and a lady, and now I've got to raise royal kids. Yeah, I assume you'd be sending your children both to Eton College. Ah! Eton College. 100 grand, you say? 
Yeah. And I have eight children, so... Oh, God. Carry oh, the, no. Carry the one. Sending the dog there? Is that a sc- yeah. school for dogs? I must send the dog. I should say they, the scholarships are available. There are There is a, even a bunch of people there that don't pay any fees. Can so if you have a yeah. gifted child, maybe. Maybe one who's Dave, bragging about it. you know me. Of course I she's don't have a, a gifted <laughs> child. Well, then maybe you were marrying a mensa in the got- sheets and... <laughs> I got happy little dickheads. Woo! <laughs> They're so dumb. Look, I got to tell you, I'm about to brag about how how good Eaton can be for the okay. young lad. It was at Eaton that John developed a taste for gambling. <laughs> <laughs> he supplemented his pocket money with money he earned through bookmaking. He was regularly seen leaving school to attend horse races. He's a little bookie. <laughs> He's a bookie. That's so cute. <laughs> John, we spent a hundred grand this year, and you haven't been to any classes. You've just been at the track. Picture him with his little tote yeah. bag and whatever they called. I'm imagining oh. a very small kid, you know, with all the other bookies at the races. That's why it's cute. Last call. Yeah, that's fun. But it's he's like really tough. You know, he's a tough. Yeah, bookie. yeah. That's funny. He doesn't take any crap. Oh, it's very friendly. Very oh, friendly lovely. while you're making the bets. Yeah, yeah. But if you owe money, oh. thumbs will be broken. Oh, yeah, that's right. And that's just the first step. <laughs> Kneecaps next. The teacher looks around the room and half the kids have like, the broken thumbs. <laughs> Miss, I can't hold a pencil. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the principal's wheeled in. <laughs> I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry, I'll pay you back. I'll pay you next I'm week. I'm good for it, I swear. <laughs> I'm on a teacher's salary. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm an eaten, but the fees don't really filter back into the teacher. Right. I'm still on a very basic wage. <laughs> you watch yourself, sir. <laughs> you would think if the if it's a hundred grand a year per kid, the teachers are being very well compensated, right? They should be, right? I mean, they should be the best teachers that money can get, right? Yeah, right? and they should be compensated for having to deal with those absolute turds. It's also not even the most expensive. I think I read it's the third or fourth most expensive, so heaven knows what the most expensive wow. school is costing. Yeah, I, be- I bet you some of the teachers there probably even went to Eton and they're yeah. going, well, not quite earning back the the sunk costs there. Yeah. <laughs> I feel it's uh, it was lichen is is the werewolf thing. <laughs> lichen. Just, that took you a while. Well, I wasn't looking all the time, but I just <laughs> knew there'd be people yelling at their iPods. Mm. <laughs> you know that. When you get into werewolves and vampires, there's some very passionate people. Well, when I googled Lupin Werewolf, which is what I thought you were referring to, Remus Lupin, yeah. I thought you were referring to from Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. Oh, so, oh, wow. That's what there I you go. So too. I've combined the two, maybe. Two levels. Yeah. I'm also looking forward to the tweets being like, does Jess have eight kids? <laughs> You'll never know. <laughs> does Jess need financial help with those eight kids? <laughs> those eight little dickheads. Let's get a, uh, <laughs> a GoFundMe going to send Jess's kids to eat. <laughs> All eight of them. All we need is eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Oh yeah, year. <laughs> that's right. Is it a, a primary use... to twelve? <laughs> yeah, you, twelve. Go there and board forever. Okay, we're gonna need quite a lot of money. <laughs> ah, that's okay. How many girls have you got? I'm assuming they don't take girls. Yeah, I'm assuming they don't. they don't take girls. No, because what's the point? <laughs> you know, why would why would a girl need a prime minister's education? Yeah, you put them to work straight away. Kids, go to school. A girl. Go go to school. No, she'll be in the factory. Thank you. <laughs> Okay. Uh, no, my girls are all going to be elite sports women. Thank wow. you very much. They're going to learn that at the fact on the and factory My boy's going to be bakers. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Even if none of them want any of that, don't care. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Do as mummy says. <laughs> <laughs> like when people force their kids, like to like you know hold a golf club or a tennis racket at the age of one, you're just getting the kid to start baking. <laughs> yeah, in you go. I've no idea why, but the day you were born, I decided you'd be a baker and bake you shell. Bake you shell. <laughs> you yeah. bake until you're 18, and then then you're not my problem anymore. <laughs> you're on your own, kid. No, that's when you. That's when they're making it to the top of the baking world, and yeah. you're you're always there in the background. Go it's on, a real stage mum. Of I'm baking. still look. I'm I'm looking after the finances. Yeah. I'm actually uh, the baker manager, so yeah. <laughs> I'm actually going to change my. I'm, no, I'm not even going to change my name, but all my kids will have the surname Baker. Yeah. Nominative determinism. That's great. They're making a lot of bread, but I'm making all the dough. <laughs> Change the name, is that determinative nomadism? <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> Bit of fun. Bit of fun. All right, well, so he left Eton actually to undertake national service, which at the time everyone was required to do, during which time he added poker to his arsenal of gambling. Of course. When he left the army a couple of years later, he joined a London based merchant bank on an annual salary of five, uh, 500 pounds which wasn't heaps, uh, this led him to meet a wealthy stockbroker who introduced him to backgammon, which he also bet on. An annual salary of £500. Mm. His school costs a hundred... No, that's currently. Costs currently, yeah. Grand. I was still like, that doesn't add up. Okay, sure. Well, that I'll put that £500 into perspective in a second because okay. he was pretty good at gambling and won lots of money playing backgammon and bridge. Those were his main things. The only problem was that he often lost even more money playing. So he'd won, he'd win a small fortune, but then lose like a medium fortune. Shit. <laughs> On one occasion, Lucan lost eight thousand pounds. Okay. Remember his annual salary is five hundred, which is a uh, two thirds of the money he received annually from various family trusts. Okay. So he lost nearly all of that in one go. Another time, he lost ten thousand pounds in one night. He had to borrow money from family members to borrow him oh, to bail him out. Oh, he's he's that family member. So but, hang on. So he's making five hundred pounds a year at his job, but he's also getting uh, like ten thousand plus pounds a year from family trust. So he doesn't need the job. Not really. The no. job is is like yeah. pocket money, but not even. Yeah. People then, like to work. Oh, I'm not saying. I'm just saying like he doesn't need the job. He yeah. loves it. He works for the passion, of yeah. course. He loves merchant banking. But it's like a it's an absolute <laughs> blip in the ocean of money he yeah. has. But one big win is all you need to keep you going. And Lucan gave up his job at the merchant bank after winning ten times his annual salary in one night by playing Shaman de Fur. I maybe doesn't love working that much. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a, that's a form of baccarat that's uh, James Bond's favourite card game. Oh, okay. He said after the win. Why should I work in a bank when I can earn a year's money in one single night at the tables? Yeah, that's clever. Yeah, great point. Which makes sense if you don't lose. Uh, the success earned him the nickname Lucky. Lucky Lucan. Fuck, that's a good nickname. Mm. Lucky. Ugh, mm. great. He began to really live the high life after this. Gambling, playing golf, driving powerboats, sipping the best Russian vodka, and driving an Aston Martin. It's a martini. <laughs> 
Shaking odds too. <laughs> well, driving an Aston Martin is what I was going to say, because he's been described as debonair, wealthy, charismatic. He was six foot two and rocked a quote luxuriant mustache. Luxuriant, luxuriant yeah. mustache. Love that. Love what that. What does that mean in terms of mustache? <laughs> Obviously, luxuriant is a word I use quite frequently. <laughs> yeah, but not I, in terms. I haven't of, come across it. I'm picturing it. That must mean big, right? It means fancy. Fancy. So does it have a curl to it? It's this is what year is this? Like the sixties? I'm looking for uh yes. This is the sixties. I'm looking for the dictionary definition, luxuriant, thick and healthy. Okay. Yeah. He's got a thick, thick. moustache. Mm. And known for it. So he gambles, drinks expensive vodka, drives an Aston Martin. Sound like anyone else you know. Hmm. Yeah. Matt. <laughs> and you said he was like six foot. Six foot two? Yeah, and look at Matt's luxuriant moustache. That's right. Attached to his even more luxuriant beard. Oh. Yeah, I got a lot of luxuriance on my face. Yeah, he's a luxuriant guy. That's why I say I use that word a lot. It's in relation to my good friend Matt. I was thinking that he reminded me of a certain character. Yeah, me. Remus Lupin. Is that what you're talking about? Remus Lupin, the werewolf? Yeah, the werewolf. Did Bond ever have a moustache? I don't remember a Bond with a moustache. It feels like a, a, they must have toyed could've. with it. Could have. Don't you reckon he could have if he wanted to? Ah. Oh. That's something about Bond. I forget, you're a big Bond fan, Dave. I'm a, I'm a Bond fan. And uh, this guy, John Bingham, was actually considered for the role of James Bond. Really? No way. But he declined producer Albert R. Broccoli's invitation to do a screen test. Because he's not an actor, right? Is yeah, that not part an actor. of the reason? But he looked the part. Okay. Wow, that's cool. So he got an invitation, which is... And the Aston Martin, that helps. Yeah, all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah, they're like, you could, can we use can your car as well? That'll save us a bit on hiring. BYO please. car. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, he already plays Bond's favourite game. Yeah. Was wins. Bond based on him at all? No. Bond was around before this. but um, Was I, he based on Bond, I oh, think, is maybe a better question. But, wow. <laughs> yeah. Good question. What character have you based yourself on? Uh, Lupin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see that. I know one character at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lupin, Charles Lupin or whatever. Remus, yeah. Remus. <laughs> Remus. Uh, in 1963, John Bingham, James Bond, married Veronica Duncan in a star-studded wedding and they had an extravagant honeymoon on the Orient Express. Veronica oh. Duncan... Is a fantastic name. name. That sounds like a character. As Veronica well. Duncan. Mm. Oof, that's good. Like and then the Orient Express is where Poirot solved a murder. Speaking of luxuriant mustaches. Yes. Uh, the groom's father gave him a large gift for the wedding, which was very welcomed by his son. He was supposed to spend it on a house, but he used a lot of it to pay back his creditors. Oh my god. He and did buy. She's a house. marrying into this. <laughs> That, I mean, that's good that he paid back some creditors. Yeah, uh-huh. good, Things are on if, the up. If you said use it to gamble more, that would have been worse. You know, first thing Barefoot Investor tells you to do is just wipe your debts, you know. Focus Great. on getting rid of your debts and he's wipe doing them. that. Call, call up your creditors and go, I'm wiping this. I'm yeah, wiping this. that. We call to wipe this? <laughs> hey, I don't, I'm not going to pay this anymore. <laughs> I'm over it. This has actually been pretty stressful <laughs> yeah. to pay you back all this money. I'm, I'm not going to do it anymore. Okay. okay. I'll wrap up. Hooroo. Consider yourself wiped. <laughs> Doodles. So, yeah, don't get on, don't get on to me anymore because this is... Done. Yeah. We're done here. Okay. It's been fun, but it's over. God, it's over. The, hey, the gravy train is is pulling out of the station, buddy. <laughs> God, the best 12 bucks I ever spent on the Barefoot Investor. God, save me millions. God, honestly, I didn't realize it was that simple. <laughs> Jesus, good.
Uh, he, the, uh, Bingham got an even larger financial injection when his father, the sixth Earl of Lucan, died two months after the wedding, <gasps> leaving his son a reported £250,000. Huge money. It's quite a lot. When he's making 500 bucks a year. <laughs> 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 okay. I'm not going to work anymore. <laughs> I'm done. Uh, the younger Bingham also acquired his father's titles. Earl of Lucan, Baron Lucan of Castle Bar. The title in the Peerage of Ireland dates back to 1691. Whoa. So he was named the seventh Earl of Lucan. Right. There'd only been seven of them. <laughs> Yeah. 1600s. Got longevity yeah. in their genes. Bloody hell. Yeah, they live a long time. Maybe they were werewolves. Do they live a long, long time? time? <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of a weird thing to I assume. I guess so. You kind of assume they wouldn't, right? I mean, they're out all night eating goats. That's got they're to take a toll. They're out all night eating goats. <laughs> Ooh, eating and eating. Get some sleep, yeah. would you? That sleep schedule, out all night, bloody hell, that'll wreck you. I think, I'm sure having good sleep cycles and all that does help. With health, yes, and uh, living a, a long life. So yes, yes. I think the werewolves need to take stock of that. Yeah, maybe limit the all-night goat eating. Yeah, you know, maybe we can schedule that for a, a brunch goat eating. Yes. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I don't know why. Um, why are you? Why are you so obsessed with nighttime? Yeah. Goat why eating? are you letting the moon rule? You know your schedule. Have you heard of the sun? Yeah. You idiot. The sun. You know what the how the moon's bright when it's a full moon. That's Bloody the hell. sun. Try oh. the sun. Maybe if full you sun. like the moon, give <laughs> the sun a go. You'll love the sun. <laughs> oh, my God. We're uh. going to blow your mind with the sun. <laughs> oh, the moon's not quite full yet, not bright enough. Oh, oh my God. really? <laughs> I'll stop you right there. <laughs> Have I got the thing for you? <laughs> Matt, giving a lecture to a nocturnal animal? What are you doing, Matt? What are you doing? Uh-huh. You're sleeping all day. Oh, yeah. You're wasting your day. Right. Fucking hell, what are you, a teenager? Fucking hell, <laughs> Bloody wasting your days away. Wake up, be productive, okay? <laughs> Let's get up at 6 a.m., go for a jog. Okay. <laughs> get the heart rate going. Yeah. And then we'll... Then we'll do a brunch. We'll have a goat for brunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you can have your goat. You've earned your I, goat. I personally won't have a goat, to be honest. I might have uh, avocado toast or <laughs> yeah. some, some ricotta hotcakes. <laughs> Ricotta hotcakes. Skinny latte, but you can have whatever you want. Jeez. (laughs) All of a sudden the wolf's going, Ricotta hotcakes. Ricotta hotcakes. Yum, yum, yum. I'm so sorry, Dave, but that was a tangent we needed to have for our werewolf listeners. It needed to be said. Yeah. I'm sick of them. I'm sick of them. (laughs) (laughs) So he was named the seventh Earl of Lucan, and with great title comes great Responsibility. Mm, he feels like the kind of guy who's going to step up to responsibility. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> now, back during this time and until 1999, which is pretty wild to me, an entitlement of all hereditary peers, which is lords, all that sort of stuff, was membership to the House of Lords. Like Australia's federal parliament, the United Kingdom is divided into two houses. There's the House of Commons, the lower house, which is made, made up of voted-in members of parliament, like our old mate John Stonehouse, who I talked about at the start of the episode. Yeah. Boris Johnson, the current Prime Minister, all that, those sort of people, they come from there. And then there's the upper house, which is the House of Lords, which, like I said, until 1999 was made up of peers like Lord Lucan and hundreds of other people. People just born in With inherited titles. Unlike those commoners like <laughs> Boris Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. But at least you've got a campaign and stuff. Back until 1999, these people, you, just wonder, you know, his dad dies, suddenly he's just a member. 
Wow. Yeah, that's that feels right. I so, mean, the Queen is our head of state. I don't know. <laughs> you know, yeah. very similar deal there. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit. Who's their head of state? <laughs> I never asked them. They should get their own Queen. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, we got this queen. She's actually English, I think. Yeah. You should get one. Of, I have mean, you, have you met her? Yeah, you should get one of them. Yeah, queen. I think yeah. she. I think she spent some quite a bit of her time in the UK. She's got a holiday house in yeah, I think London. Yeah, she's, she's got a home there. Yeah, I'm sure she definitely it. has a bit of an accent. I think she's got a <laughs> yeah, bit of an yeah. English. No, nah, but you know when you like when you move here post the age of like fifteen. Yeah. And you don't lose the accent. I think yeah, she's. That's you true. know. Yeah. Yeah. She's like ninety something. She might even have a dual citizenship. Yeah, I think so. Wow. I don't know what passport she has, but <laughs> yeah. she's probably got a couple. Fun fact. <laughs> no passport? No passport. Uh, the Saints won <laughs> the premiership in 1966. Wow. <laughs> no, no, she does not have a passport. I, knew, I just knew the people out there wanted that said. Did yeah. you feel that sometimes? That's why I said I don't know which passport she has. Yeah, I know. And that's why I'm like, oh, people are going <laughs> to yeah, people are gonna right. be bristling. I'm actually. <laughs> sometimes people don't like to read between the lines. And I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> if it could be said, let's say it. <laughs> so yeah, he's so he's just inherited this title, and uh, he's now a, a member of the House of Lords. And he's got a lot of responsibility. And his yeah. dad gave him all that money to buy a house, and he paid off his creditors. So <laughs> yes, I assume right. now with all this responsibility, he's going to like settle on down <laughs> and just be a really good, a really good lord, whatever. Yeah. Baron, some dude. Well, Lord Lucan and his wife, Veronica, they had three children, Francis, George, and Camilla. Good names. And he seemed to be on top of the world. Oh. For a while there, it was going really well. He had money, a title, and his gambling was, was actually profitable for a bit. Right. He was on a winning streak. That's what... Yeah. Lucky Lucan. Yeah, things were going well for Lord Lucky Lucan. I mean, Lord Lucan is... What a name. Yeah, very oh, good. So good. Lucky Lucan, it's all good. Lord yeah. Lucky, it's all good. Lucky my name, but how long would this luck last? Oh, assume forever. I mean, you've already told us he disappears. So. <laughs> I still think he became a werewolf. Yeah. Well, in 1969, our other... Look, if it can be said. <laughs> our other mate, the other John, John Stonehouse, became Minister of Posts and Telecommunications under Prime Minister Harold Wilson. So he's up in the cabinet. He's doing very well for himself. He's Good a minister. Harold Wilson, he's from the Crown. Is that a coincidence? <gasps> I think there not. was a Prime Minister character on The Crown called Harold Wilson. Wow, maybe it was um, might have been based an on homage. Him. Oh, yeah, it could have been an homage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <A> tribute. <laughs> now, random name generator. Yeah, oh, wow. What That's are the odds of that? There's only, there's only so many names, you know. Hope Larkin had some cash on that. <laughs> the werewolf Larkin, that is. <laughs> so he also a gambler. Also a gambler. Right. Still alive. So he's a minister, John Stonehouse, but in 1969 he also found himself in hot water when he was accused. He's having a ah. bath. <laughs> What's this? I've <laughs> fallen in the bath. I love it when we're in sync. And we're crushing it today. Oh, I, I prefer, it, prefer it when you're in bath. <laughs> Bit of fun there. <laughs> in sync. Remember when we were in bath? That was nice. <laughs> we were in bath together. Day. I've been listening to I've, I've listened to another Bill Bryson book where he's going around England. Mm. And he's still whinging about everything. <laughs> I think I mentioned this on a recent episode. I was listening to a book of his. He's old before his time, old Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Just everything, everything's like, oh, this, this town's changed. <laughs> That's like, now there's a there's a bloody Hungry Jacks there when it used to be a, a corner <laughs> store. He's like, there's I've a lot of that. I've never is, even you know. been here before, but this town has changed. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it is making me go, I want to tour around mm. the UK again. There's this one line in it, and it's, I've been laughing about it ever since. 
I need to talk to you and see if is this funny. It made me laugh so much. <laughs> the the guy who reads it isn't him. It's another guy who does a great performance. But he says something like, "There's something marvelous about catching a double decker bus. The way you see a town, you see it from a different angle. You can't see from any other <laughs> mode of transport. You, as people get on the bus, you see the tops of their heads, <laughs> and then as they come past you to sit down, you look at them as if to say." I've just seen the top of your head. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I've just seen the top of your head. <laughs> Why? Is that funny? Oh, it's sad. That, that is. It's wild. Yeah. So baffling that you that Bill Bryson wrote that. Yeah, great line. And that he read it back and went, still good. Great and delivery. then an editor read it and went, that's great. I mean, this. Oh. And then in I, the audio booth when that yeah. re- the person reading has read it out, they're like, can you give us another one? Yeah. yeah. It's fucking so funny. What a choice to make. Was I, he sh- was he like short on words or something? <laughs> I've just seen the top of your head. I don't, yeah, I mean, I think because it seems like, it's like, what? That's why it's just so funny. What a funny thought. And then, oh, man, I love it. That's oh, really Bill Ross in the kind of stream of consciousness writer that just writes any thought that comes into his head. Maybe. <laughs> but I was I only just thought of him because when we were in Bath and we did the tour of the old Roman baths, one of the audio tours you could do was with Bill Bryson. Anyway, this is a sidetrack. And it said, I've just seen the top of your head. <laughs> seen the top of your Roman head. <laughs> if, you ever, if you ever meet Bill Bryson, anyone out there knows Bill Bryson, maybe he's a neighbour of him, just bend down. Let him have a... He loves it. <laughs> Let him have a look at the top of your head. Let him have a look at the top. Let's inspect a crown. So John's found himself in some hot water. Hot water. Which is, oh, my God. Well, he could have been That's in the bath. When there. he found out the news that he was accused of spying for Czechoslovakia. Oh. Ooh. Now, communist Czechoslovakia had been occupied throughout the Second World War by... Occupado. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Someone is knocking on communist Czechoslovakia. (laughs) And was that your Czech impression? The Czechoslovakia is that occupado. (laughs) And Hitler's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'll leave you to it. Is that what you say if somebody knocks on the toilet door? Yeah, oh yeah, big time. Yeah, big time. Uh, they'd been occupado by uh, <laughs> Nazi Germany. And I'm be- never in the toilet, though, because a gentleman, gentleman never, never shits. <laughs> Stop trying to make it a thing. Dave said um, this report's actually quite long. Yes. <laughs> and we are... Having a good time. Sorry, Dave. Dave, he's starting no, no. to have the he's starting to have this the sort of the look of a guest reporter. Yeah. Who's just trying to get through it when <laughs> the three of us are absolutely taking the piss. <laughs> uh, we're going to shut up for a little bit. No, I, you don't need to. I uh, I enjoy hearing things like uh, oh, Bill God. Bryson's takes on the dolls of people's head. <laughs> That's that is genuinely very That's funny. So I think funny. if it was, I'd listen to it last night. Put a bed, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. Did you get any sleep? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was almost drifting off, and that sparked me right back up. <laughs> so funny. I am, I'm enjoying this one more than his first one. He's, but, yeah, it's still it's still some stuff in it. It's like, oh, this is some 30-year-old takes. Because this one's from the 90s, but anyway. Yeah, right. Obviously, the, the take of seeing the top of someone's head, that's <laughs> yeah. well out that's that's What is this from the early 90s? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Dave, please do go on. Uh, so he's been accused of spying for Czechoslovakia who became part of the Soviet Union's Eastern Bloc when Europe was divided after 1945. Uh, As America and the Soviets tussled for world dominance during the Cold War, Britain, an ally of the US through NATO, sided with the former, with America. So Czechoslovakia 
you should not be sharing any information with them. And that's what he's accused right. of. Oh. A cabinet minister he was. He was accused of leaking information to the enemy, a serious allegation, and one that John Stonehouse strenuously denied. Mm. Right. Oh, how f- that would be frustrating. If Is there any proof of this? Well, Ooh. it's got to be a part of the story here. <laughs> <laughs> like, obviously, you get into that. <laughs> well... <laughs> Why don't you like, shut up and let me know? <laughs> yeah. I wanted to try and allude to it without giving anything yeah. else, but like, also I could answer it now, but that would kind of destroy <laughs> this whole thing I've written. I Why are you asking? The structure. Yeah. Of, Why are you skipping right. to that now? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Have you ever done this show before? <laughs> I'm trying to create an intertwining narrative between these two shots here. That's so good, Dave. Sorry, can we just get to the point? Guilty, not guilty. Right. Did, did, did he do it? And why did he disappear? <laughs> Why are we wasting all this time? Oh God, if you know the answer already, yeah. just tell us. You are just yammy, yammy, yammy. <laughs> Could this not be a paragraph? <laughs> Give uh, us the elevator pitch of this story. From the uh, from the Shropshire Star, which has an article about this part, the MP was left fighting for his career, but remained calm under questioning by MI5's infamous Cold War officer, Charles Elwell, in the presence of Prime Minister Harold Wilson. So we got called in for a grilling with the Prime Minister watching on. He was ke- questioned twice, and extensively so, but he denied all the allegations. He said, I am not a spy. The Prime Minister himself, Harold Wilson, denied the allegations in the House of Commons, and Stonehouse was never charged. But his political career was severely damaged. Oh, no. It's hard to be associated with that kind of thing and uh, do well afterwards. He fell out with the Prime Minister, Harold Wilson, and when Labor, his party, lost the 1970 election, he was kicked out of the shadow cabinet. So he lost his portfolio, which meant he also lost the extra money that went with being in that position. Oh. So he basically got a bit of a demotion. Shit. Because of the allegations. So he decided to try and make money for himself outside of politics. Okay. Remember, he's got an economics degree, a high IQ, and a pocket full of dreams. Right. And he's also got a horse. He's going to do pony rides. Yes. He's a thinker. Yes. What could you possibly know, go wrong? You look around your house, you go... What can I use here? <laughs> yeah, all right. Okay, I've got a kettle. I can make cups of tea for people. Yes. i got a horse. 10p a pop. Mm, what can I do for that? 10p a pop. 10p a pop, a horse. <laughs> That's catchy. Yeah. All right, all right. All right. Making progress. 10p a pop. Uh, but if you want a horse and a tea, 15p. Hmm? Yeah, there we go. There horse we go. and tea, 15p. That's yeah. how I remember it. <laughs> He's a thinker. He's a thinker. Well, he set up a bunch of businesses around the world, including an investment bank in Bangladesh. Uh, they all failed and he got into massive, uh, massive debt. So the economics like, degree has not done well. So far, like, I set up a lot of businesses. <laughs> Spent no time on any of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just set, but I set a lot of them yeah. up. Lot of them Spread up. myself very thin. And waited. Uh, I'm sure money. one of them is going to become a billion dollar Playing idea. Playing the odds here. Playing the odds. Yeah. Just have to wait for Google to knock on the door and try and buy me out. Yeah. Hyper global mega debt. No, that's not a good name for business. <laughs> Don't put debt in the business. <laughs> well, have I said too much? <laughs> well, according to the independent newspaper, a fund he set up to help Bangladeshi victims of a hurricane had £600,000 missing from its accounts. All up, he was... So that's terrible, obviously. Oh. There's no one commented. I was like, we have to say... <laughs> <laughs> is wait, that, wait, is that good? Great. Yeah, 600,000 pounds missing. <laughs> missing. Great. You've sent that to people who need it. Great. Uh, and all up, Stonehouse was left with debts that were rumoured to be about 800,000 pounds, which is equal to about 10 million pounds today. 
Okay, that's a lot of. So pounds. he's in serious debt. So Put that in AUD. That's for like me. 20, 20 Yeah, million. just under twenty million dollars. Oh, yeah. Think about how many kids you could send to Eden with that. <laughs> oh, I can't even do I'd that. Carry two, seven, eight. Two. Oh, two. <laughs> it's like it's not much. Yeah, actually. not that many. <laughs> Jess, half her kids. Just pick the pick, pick the boys. Ones. Well, okay, the boys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, To cover his debts, he had to do a lot of creative accounting, which uh, created another house of cards ready to fall on him at any moment. He he created a house made out of cards. Yeah, that was one of his investments. That's a bad idea. He thought, I'll be able to Airbnb this experience. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Would you like to sleep in the King of Hearts room or or in the the Ace of Clubs? That's good. I like that, actually. Oh, you're all two of spades kind of guy, right? It's a discount room. What room would you choose? Queen of Hearts over here. Oh, okay. Ace of Spades. With Lemmy. You and Lemmy. Dave? I'm a real uh, Nine of Diamonds kind of guy. Yeah. Nine of Diamonds. That's I like the specificity. Yes. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got, he's in debt. He's doing this dodgy accounting. Uh, he's accused of spying. He was also having an affair with his secretary, Sheila Buckley. So his personal life's also in a bit of turmoil. He asked her to forge documents and listed her as director on the majority of his companies. An affair. Was he married? <laughs> yeah, he, okay. he married. He did marry and have kids. Yeah, right. Uh, so now he's in debt. Having an affair, the politician's life was crumbling down around him. He was certainly in a bit of a tight spot. Wow. And this is all, this is all became about because he was accused of being a spy. A spy and it sort of ruined his political career. Which... Is, there's no proof of by the sounds of it at, at the moment. Point. No, 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 no proof, and he's denied it. His boss has said, "No, it's bullshit." But then the boss has said, "I can't have you being in my cabinet anymore." Right, you're tainted. So he's still an MP, but he's just tried to branch out, and make so a bit more money. He, I mean, MPs, I have no idea. They get paid okay, probably. Yeah, but he was used to the high life. The high life, and he thought he he thought he could make the really high life. Yeah. Now he's twenty million dollars in debt. Yeah, it's really backfired. I'm just so lazy and not money motivated. So I'd be like, MP salary still? All right. <laughs> but, you okay. know, the thing is, with that attitude, Jess, you'll never be $20 million in debt. So, Oh, I really thought you were going a different way there of, like, I'll never be anything. Yeah, that's but, what he no. meant. <laughs> yeah, you'll never be $20 million in debt. Yeah, you're right. So I'll never care enough. Good for me. Look at me go. These, both of the people I'm talking about in this story are both kind of people that are like r- attempted to risk it all to get more. Yeah. yeah. And let's see how that works out. They're gambling yeah, yeah. in the game of life. Yes. And in the game and of the Blackjack. <laughs> so back to Lord Luke and our other guy. When we left him, things seemed to be going for this real li- going well for this real life James Bond. Yeah. Uh, the Lord and his lady, Veronica, passed every evening at the Clermont Club, an upmarket gambling den on Barclay Square. Run by eccentric zookeeper John Aspinall. <laughs> Everything about that was wrong. You went upmarket and then den? Gambling den? Yeah. Upmarket gambling den. <laughs> run by eccentric, a real roller coaster run by eccentric, eccentric zookeeper. I know you, you hadn't even got to the zookeeper at that point. <laughs> eccentric zookeeper. Oh, pretty straight straight down the line kind of zookeeper. Oh, no. Oh, he's eccentric. No, he's eccentric. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's got long hair. He runs a gambling den. <laughs> Not to be confused with his tiger den. <laughs> You only make that mistake one. <laughs> uh, left for the tigers, right for the gambling. All right, right yeah. for the tigers, left for the gambling. Oh fuck! <laughs> uh, while Luke and gambled and ate the same dinner of smoked salmon and lamb chops at the Claremont, 
Every night, same dinner. Yeah. Oh, it's combo. very close to goat, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? I'm thinking this guy's a werewolf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Salmon plus lamb equals goat. <laughs> yeah. You get a real goat-like consistency. <laughs> I get it when you find something, you know, at a particular restaurant that you're like, that was so good, I'm going to get that again. But every night... Mix mm. it up a Look, bit. I didn't read this, but get I get the feeling. Veggies in I there. get the feeling that he probably won the first night he ate that, and it was right. like, "Well, I've got that." Right. My luck charm is the salmon plus the lamb chop. Oh, I forgot he's he's a probably super. Gambler, I don't know, yeah. It absolutely plays havoc with my guts, but <laughs> <laughs> but I, I won that one time. <laughs> so he gambled often all night. Uh, his wife was relegated to an alcove called Wait, Dave all night. This is a werewolf. So I did read that he got up very late because the gambling, uh, back in the day, it only opened late in the afternoon. Mm. So he would sleep majority of the day. Yes. <laughs> yes, he's, he's, he's a werewolf. Confirmed. Crack this code. Wow, Love Matt, it. you call that early. <laughs> Good for you. God, you're gifted. Just get a sense for these things. Yeah. And I never trust you, and I, that's my mistake. Uh, so... He gambled. His wife relegated to an alcove in the club called the Windows Bench. What? Uh, that's in quotation marks here from the Guardian. As times went on, Lady Lucan became unhappy. Why? Because she has to. What? Because she has to go with him and just sit in a bench. Yes, it's boring. Why are you going with him? Boring life. Also, he's he's. It's a very up and down life. You know, sometimes he's up, sometimes he's down. You have a you have a house. Stay there. Read a I book. I mean, how long? But you've got to be there in case he bets the house. Right. Hey, John. No, no, ah, no, 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 no. Ah, like ah, when the yeah. dog's going to piss on the yeah. bike. Ah. Leave it. <laughs> Leave the house for me and my three kids. John. <laughs> John. 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 <laughs> Sometimes you give them a warning and if they're not listening, John. <laughs> yeah, that scares them. <laughs> uh, the couple became increasingly estranged. Veronica suffered from postnatal depression and Lucan's gambling addiction and waning finances really put pressure on their marriage. And in 1973, he moved out of the family home. Lucan feared that his wife would win custody of their children in a divorce and deny him all access. Well, yeah, you sleep all day, gamble all night. <laughs> I reckon probably. Yeah. Like, when are you going to feed them? I'll say it. Bad dad. <laughs> wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it, but uh, I agree. <laughs> okay. Bad dad. Well, according to The Guardian, his obsession with getting his children away from his estranged wife had led to him spying on her in a desperate attempt to discredit her. Why doesn't he just make a bet with her? Oh, <laughs> if he better. wins, he gets the kids. I bet the kids. Yeah. Not Francis. He's my favourite. <laughs> I love Francis. <laughs> the other two, Camilla, yeah. whatever. Who cares? <laughs> Camilla and George. Put them on the table. Camilla's She'll never got... make it at eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there was a messy court case involving private detectives and many of their friends. Oh. On the advice of his lawyers, Lucan conceded and custody of the children was awarded to Veronica with Lucan allowed access on the weekends. Losing the court case was a devastating blow to Lord Lucan, who, because of his gambling losses, was already struggling. The court case cost him another £20,000 and he was forced to borrow money from many different people and all his bank accounts were overdrawn. Shit. And yet he continued to gamble. Of course he did. Chase your losses, people. Yeah. Number one rule of gambling. And to be fair, it was his job. Yeah. So he technically was working harder than ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't want to put I don't want to put a guy down for working hard. 
for his family. <laughs> Dave, you, I just got a, a, a terrifying <laughs> flash of <laughs> yep. you as a problem gambler yeah. saying that to your wife. Whoa, whoa, whoa babe, hey, it's, hey. My, it's my job. Uh, if anything, I'm actually working harder yeah, than ever. Babe, please for never you, stop. For us. I remember a bad feel. I got a flash forward as well there, <laughs> seeing David. Yeah. <laughs> David. David. Sweating, middle of the night. Yeah, most people, if they pulled a 36-hour shift, would be praised. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've shat myself six times at a table, lost the, my life savings. And, and I come home and you're like, where have you been? Yeah, I've I'm called the, the police. I'm Why at, have you got I've three shits in your pants? <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of shit. Yeah. It's all I've got left, babe. <laughs> all right? Is there anything to eat, please? Hmm? I've got to replenish. I've shat everything I've shat out. everything out. <laughs> <laughs> also, we need to move the stuff out. <laughs> yeah. The house is no longer yeah. ours. To be honest, neither is the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but we do get to keep the kids. So he lost a not lot of... Camilla. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not Camilla. We're not going to get much. <laughs> uh, it's been estimated that between September and October 1974 alone, the Earl... <laughs> what are you laughing <laughs> People do 36 hour shift, they'd be praised. Yeah. <laughs> That's just very funny. But you also had it too quickly. You know, you you, you drew that. No, I've thought about, yeah. thought about it. Anyway, sorry. I, I admire his work ethic. <laughs> uh, to be honest, how, you have to be working pretty hard to, in one month of 1974 alone, run up debts of around 50,000 pounds, which is equivalent these days to half a million pounds. So a million, nearly a million Aussie dollars he lost in a month. That is very impressive. That's you impressive. Do, that you you are impressive. pulling. You are pulling sixteen-hour days. Yeah, oh, that's huge. Pee, and you are just dedicated to the loss. <laughs> or he's just putting half a million on black <laughs> and then right. having a nap <laughs> and then yeah. walking into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We then come to a very fateful day in the story, November seventh, nineteen seventy-four. Lord Lucan had plans to meet conservative politician Greville Howard, <laughs> <laughs> who, when I looked him up, is still alive. Greville. Greville Howard. Right. At no, the Claremont. I love Greville. 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 Oh, Beautiful name for a boy or girl. Greville. 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 Come on. Shoes on, please. Grevy. Greville Street Paran. I bet you two used yeah, to go Greville out there. Yeah, Greville Street. Oh, fantastic. Fine for a street, bad for a child. I love it. Greville. One of my favourite cafes. Uh, but Greville Howard, he was going to meet him at the Claremont Club, which remembers the upmarket den, Yes. at 11pm, sure. but Lord Lucan never showed up. Well, he's finally gone to bloody bed. Hopefully. At a reasonable time. <laughs> Bet you he's eating a goat. <laughs> he's ravaging him. Knowing him. Left his watch at home. Yeah. No idea what time it is. Over in uh, Belgravia... Lady Veronica was at home with her three children, Francis, who was now 10, George, who was seven, and Camilla, who was four. Oh, they were their real names. I missed that. I thought you were riffing on the names. <laughs> I like these ridiculous names, Francis and Camilla. <laughs> no, that's, oh, that's, what he's, that's what he's named them. That's what he's gone with. <laughs> really, you gone with? What was the other one? George. Francis, George, and Camilla. Yeah, right. Camilla's the worst. Yeah. Francis and George are okay. Yeah, I don't know. Late yeah, 60s I, names. I only know one other Camilla. Uh, neighbour down the road. <laughs> no, Camilla Johnson. Oh, oh yeah. Plays, plays lawn bowls. Lovely Lives lady. three doors down. Lovely lady. Yeah. Who's it? Pa- Packer Bowls. <laughs> Packer Bowls. Packer Bowls. Sorry, I don't Packer know. Packer Bowls? What, what are those sounds? <laughs> no, I was saying, Camilla, pack your bowls. Pack your bowls. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to the club. <clears throat> Oh, she'll be out in a She'll be so happy. <laughs> she'll be out in a She's got a little, little bowls bag, her special bowls shoes. Camilla! 
Take your balls! Which one is Camilla Parker? Well, I get her confused with... She, she married to Charles, Charles. and who's and then who's the uh, the one who's married to who's the other one? Kate Middleton. Ka- no, Ka- uh, there's Sarah Ferguson. Fergie. Mm. Yes, she's married to someone else. No longer married to <gasps> Andrew. Andrew. You break the news to me like this. <laughs> Gosh, that's not the only news I've got about Prince Andrew. <laughs> he doesn't sweat. <laughs> Unbelievable. So um, she's at home with Francis 10, George 7, Camilla 4. Also in their house was their nanny, Sandra Rivet. The court had ordered that she had to have a nanny in the house. Why? I don't really know why, but that was part of the, uh, the conditions. Uh, the 29-year-old Sandra had been with the family for about nine weeks at that point. November 7 was a Thursday, and Sandra usually had Thursday nights off to see her boyfriend, John, but she swapped that to see him the day before. But the two spoke on the phone at 8 o'clock. She then put the two youngest kids to bed and then at about 8.55pm she asked Veronica if she would like a cup of tea before heading downstairs to the basement kitchen to make one. Veronica was watching the news on TV with her daughter Frances on the bed, the oldest one, in the master bedroom and wondered what was taking Sandra so long with the tea. She considered sending her daughter down to check but decided to go down herself. This turned out to be probably a very fortunate decision. Uh-oh. Because oh. <clears throat> Lady Veronica got to the kitchen above the basement and noticed that it was completely dark down there, which she found very odd. She called out to Sandra, the nanny from the top of the basement stairs, and rather than a response, heard noises coming from down below. Then someone hit her, Lady Veronica, on the head at least four times. <gasps> As she screamed out, her attacker told her to shut up and she recognised the voice as belonging to her husband, Lord Lucan. Wow, no. classic werewolf MO. <laughs> yeah. Couple of wait, so of wet noodle. He he'd snuck in and he did he know the nanny? I uh, wouldn't know who she was. Yeah, so he. Oh, so you assume he's also done the same to the nanny as well? Well, yeah, because she's in the kitchen up, up at the top of the stairs and has been hit on the head four times. Oh, my God. Lucan says, shut up. He tried to push her down the stairs into the basement, but she fought back, managing to grab his testicles. Yes! Forced That's where I would have gone for, yeah. too. <laughs> Straight for the ghoulies. Run in the nuds. Come on. <laughs> Kapow. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, werewolf. <laughs> Do werewolves have nads? Big nads. Okay. <laughs> so big. Yeah. Okay. All right. They're a real hanging target. She got his testes. And he let her go. Yeah. And a great article. You guys are very precious about your knuckles. Ow! <laughs> Ouchie! <laughs> oh, don't! Hey! Unfair! Not, that is unfair. <laughs> that's, not, that's not in the rules. Yeah. Foul. Foul. That's Foul. a no no. That's a no no. Uh, it is a no no. A great article from medium.com picks up the story here, um, and I'll link to all the, my sources in the description. It says She, that's Lady Veronica, said she begged him not to kill her, saying, Please don't kill me, John. She asked where Sandra was, this is the nanny, and he responded that Sandra was dead and told Lady Lucan not to look. Fuck. She tried to go along with him by asking what they should do with the body. She tried to convince him that no one would miss Sandra, that the nanny had few friends. She told him that she would stay inside the house until her wounds had healed and no one would ever see them. Lady Lucan said he seemed to accept this and he asked her if she had sleeping pills. 
She told him yes, and he took her upstairs back to the bedroom where he told Francis to leave and go to her own bed. Uh, that's the end of the medium bit. Lady Lucan lay down on the bed, and her attacker, Lord Lucan, gave her some sleeping pills. He also made her lie on a towel to avoid staining the bed. But she thought if she fell asleep, he would continue to kill her, so when he went into the bathroom, she made a break for it. Yes. She ran down the street to the Plumber's Arm pub. She was covered in blood and screamed, He's in the house! He's murdered the nanny! By the time the police got to the house, Lord Lucan had vanished. She, oh, what about the kids? Well, with Lord Lucan nowhere to be found, they did find uh, the kids. They were all safe. Oh, God. But they also found the dead. I was like, good on you for making a break for it, but you've left the kids yeah. in the house with him. But they did find the body of Nanny Sandra oh, River. No. Who'd been killed with a lead pipe with a bandage wrapped around it. <gasps> It was a grisly scene with blood everywhere. Oh. Seen some photos. It looks awful. Uh, Rivet's body had been placed by her attacker into a canvas mailbag. So clearly he'd attacked her and then uh, when Lady Lucan had come downstairs, he'd sort of surprised, she'd surprised him putting the body into a bag. And the theory is that because it was dark, he thought he was attacking his wife. Because oh. it was completely dark in the basement. The light bulb had been taken out. Oh, what a fucking, what a... Brutal story. What a twist this has taken. Yeah, I know. We thought wow. we're thinking it was such a silly goofball, just a rich. I didn't think, you know, thought he was just eating goats. <laughs> <laughs> well, after the attack, Lord Lucan is known to have driven forty-two miles, possibly eat some goat. I assume I so. Yeah. Uh, to, the ho- at night, yeah. to the home of friends in uh, Sus- in the Sussex village of Uckfield, which is very funny. Uckfield. It's fuckfield without an F. <laughs> Uh, leaving them in the early hours of the Fuck morning. Field, baby. <laughs> he recounted to them and to his mother and other friends in a phone call and notes immediately after that he had happened across his wife being attacked by a stranger in the house. Piece of shit. So I drove across the country. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, oh, that's, that, makes that sense, sounds right. Yeah. Um, and before he left Susan Maxwell's. Scott's house, he uh, wrote two letters to his brother-in-law, Bill Shand Kitt. One was short and about money and an upcoming sale that would satisfy his debts, and the other was more personal, detailing what happened, uh, saying that he'd interrupted a fight and that now his wife was likely to accuse him of hiring a a hitman, but it wasn't him. Wait, what? And and he asked the brother-in-law if he could take care of the children rather than leave them with his wife. The that was his fuck? wish. Fuck! I've just killed someone. Going to write a couple of letters. The yeah, but so the... your sister, she's going to say, "Is that is that it's her?" Yeah, sister, yeah. So he's her brother. So <clears> your <throat> sister's going to say it was me. I've hired a hitman. She's crazy. Anyway, don't listen to her, your sister. Uh, listen to me in a letter. I fled. Um, I'm, but I'm right. Like most innocent people do, we yeah. love to flee. I interrupted somebody attacking my ex Yeah, so he's tried to like plant the seed. And he even wrote, the circumstantial evidence against me is strong in that Veronica will say it was all my doing. What? That's not... Why would you be talking like that? I mean, obviously you wouldn't be. If, if that's what happened, you would hang around. You'd... It's baffling, absolutely baffling. Why would you? Well, it does, does that make any sense that he would have fled? And you know, I, I, before she accused me, I, I accuse her. She, mm. she, for some reason, she's going to accuse me. So, but it wasn't. It was just some random. 
And well, I, I think I it, saw it and I ran away. I think it's safe to say he's not thinking rationally at this point. That is a good point. Uh, three days later, Lord Lucan's borrowed, blood-splattered Ford Corsa was found abandoned with a section of bandaged lead piping in the boot at the cross-channel port of New Haven in East Sussex. So it's right near, right near the channel. And the media went absolutely bananas for this story. It was massive in Europe and right around the world. An aristocrat known for being the real-life James Bond, a member of the House of Lords, had probably killed someone and then disappeared. So, like, huge tabloid story. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. i got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate your last biscuit. I was that saving been, them for my wedding. That has been stressing. <laughs> That has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. It was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit he, that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> that is upsetting to hear. But I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills. Learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. Back to our other friend, John Stonehouse, who had marriage troubles, money troubles and just troubles in general. So he went on holiday to Miami. On November 20, 1974, just 12 days after Lord Lucan had disappeared, John Stonehouse went for a swim at a Miami beach. He left his passport and his money in his hotel room and he just went out for a swim. But he did not come back. Oh, he said Harold Holt. Yeah, you, the way you reacted to that was like, oh, there must be something <laughs> yeah, similar sorry. here. Jeez, that's really similar. His clothes and towel were found on the beach and a full-scale search was launched, but no sign of John Stonehouse was found. The difference is that Harold Holt didn't, as far as I can remember, didn't have huge debts and a a reason to disappear. He's just a passionate swimmer. Yeah. Like Lord Lucan, it was another media frenzy. Had he drowned? Had he been killed by a shark? Was it more sinister? Had he been murdered? Did it have anything to do with Lord Lucan? These two MPs disappearing within 12 days of each other? Right. Right. Yeah, that's really cool. I didn't realise it was so close. Mm. And at the time, the New York Times wrote an article that said, quote, at various times, newspapers have published innuendos linking him to the mafia, a Czechoslovak spy ring, and the United States Central Intelligence Agency. Like Howard Holt, did anyone suggest that a uh, mini sub took oh, yeah, him away? Yeah. <laughs> Czechoslovak sub? <Some> submarines. Uh, Stonehouse's <laughs> wife. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 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 what a weird motor transport. 
Stonehouse's wife, Barbara, who was the mother of their three children, spoke to the media and said that she thought it was a tragic drowning incident. Despite the fact that no corpse had been found, obituaries were published. In the House of Commons, a ceremonial silence was held to mark the passing of the Honourable Member for Warsaw North. So everyone's like, he's gone. So two he went on holiday by himself. Yes. Didn't even take the kids. Yeah, without knowing Bad dad. much about it. Yeah. <laughs> well. Oh, kids don't want to go to Florida. Is this, uh, is this episode going to be called Two Bad Dads? Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm sorry, kids. I'm just going to go to Disney World without you. <laughs> I would argue one of them is worse, <laughs> but they both seem pretty bad. The one who went to Disney I'd World say, I'd say, Well, I'd say the, yeah, the murderer also very bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. The, so, yeah, okay. So this feels like, without really knowing anything apart from the things Dave said mm-hmm. today, mm-hmm. it feels like he's faked his own death. Yeah, it does feel that way. Well, <gasps> so two very high-profile members of British Parliament, different houses, disappeared in under two weeks. What the hell had happened to them? Well, they disappeared, Dave. <laughs> Dave, you, you just, just said, said it. That. <laughs> you just said oh, it, Dave. Dave. Oh, Dave, you okay? <laughs> Oh, wait, there's more written here. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, oh, cool. Sorry, I'm reading off a scroll and I just unfurled it a bit more. <laughs> That's the trouble with scrolls, isn't it? You never know oh. where the scroll ends. What's this please turn over? Oh, my God. Back of the scroll. Kids today always scroll. Always scroll. <laughs> Back of the scroll. Uh, the story picks up five weeks later on Christmas Eve, 1974, right here. In Melbourne, Australia. Get the fuck what out. The yeah. heck? What I the love heck? it when Melbourne's involved. I know, and I just loves it. I love it. Loves a reference. I love to feel included. Yeah. This guy's born on your birthday? That's nuts. A policeman was tipped off to a newcomer in town who'd been behaving strangely. The man was using the name of Clive Mildoon. <laughs> <laughs> this makes me laugh. <laughs> But like a fake name, it'd be so weird. You can pick any name. Anything. Clive Mildoon. I think you can you can go too obvious, John Smith or something. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. us. But a, a name like Clive Mildoon, yeah. people are going, all right, but what's your actual name? Yeah. What are so, you hiding? There's somewhere in the middle, you know, Michael Mildoon. Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> Mildoon. Yeah, you can't put Clive and Mildoon together. <laughs> no. Michael Mildoon. Michael Mildoon. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that. Or yeah. Clive Michaels. Johnson. <laughs> Don't waste Michael with you. Michael Michelson. <laughs> that's too obvious. Michael Michaelides. I'm Greek. <laughs> Hello? Hi, I'm Greek. <laughs> Hi, I'm Greek. I mean Please Michael. <laughs> I'm Greek Michael. <laughs> <laughs> they call me who you want. That's a nickname <laughs> they give me around the places they. that I'm known. Them, they give it to me. Um, anyway, good day. <laughs> good day. So the man was using the name of Clive Mildoon, upper class Englishman. Uh, had been Hello, no- <laughs> no, Clive, Clive Mildoon. Charmed, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, he'd been noticed depositing twenty one thousand five hundred dollars in cash at the Bank of New Zealand. The teller who handled the money later spotted the same man at the Bank of New South Wales. But What's it was the teller doing. Yeah, it's weird. That's Checking weird. out other banks on their lunch break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to check out the competition. Oh, are you moonlighting at the Bank of New South Wales? <laughs> that is not on. <laughs> it was discovered that this deposit was made in the name of Joe Markham. Okay, yeah, that's a better. Is that better name. than yeah. Clive yeah. Mildoon, Joe Markham? That doesn't stand out yeah, to me. Whatever. So it was reported to the police. It's a bit weird. They got two different names depositing large amounts of cash in two different banks. So Melbourne police got in contact with Scotland Yard and asked if they were missing quote any well-spoken upper-class businessmen in suits. 
Oh. Wow. I mean, come on, Melbourne police. <laughs> Do a little more digging before you're like, you guys missing anyone kind of fancy? Yeah. Scotland Yard's like, fuck, we've got Australia on the phone again. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, like, we've got this bloke, yeah, he's got quite a bit of cash on him and he seems like probably a bit British. Oh. Do you know who he is? Wait, was I got in contact with NIDA and asked if there's anyone who's good at doing an English accent? <laughs> Uh, Scotland Yard sent a cable back saying that it was likely to be one of two men, either Lord Lucan or John Stonehouse. And the Aussies asked how they could quickly tell the men apart. And they were told that Lord Lucan had a six-inch long scar. Okay. (laughs) On his dick. (laughs) Well, on his right thigh. Right. In a dick. <laughs> and Stonehouse did not. Okay. That's how they could quickly identify <laughs> him without rousing suspicion. What? Not, they couldn't just send back a photo. Well, no, this is... In, before times, it was hard to just, like... Send a photo. You know, email over a picture. But they, they both look about the same then, obviously. One of also, like six foot tall. Probably you could... Just grab a newspaper from the last month because there was a big yeah. story. Oh, it's also like, uh, so if he doesn't have a scar on his leg, he's definitely, imagine, it's like, well, it's not one of them. Yeah, but that doesn't. <laughs> doesn't prove that it's yeah, the other guy. Definitely not Lord Lucan. Luckily. It could be John Stonehouse or any other man without a scar. <laughs> Luckily, it's a hugely, uh, it's a big part of our culture to dack people. Yeah. So it was actually quite <laughs> dack easy. Dack dear. Cops up dacking. Welcome to Melbourne, I'm dack. cover dacking. <laughs> Welcome to Melbourne. <laughs> And then the ruler out straight away. Ooh, five and a half inches. Mm, Now let's do the scar. (laughs) (laughs) So the man calling himself Clive Milden was arrested and the officers ordered him to, quote, pull down your trousers. (laughs) Welcome to Australia. Oh, my God. Got him to dack himself. Yeah. Not even doing the dacking. Self-dacking. What do you reckon? Humiliating. So any guesses on who this might be? I reckon... Uh, well, the pot. Were they both posh? Both posh. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. One of them went out to sea. I mean, you, that's how you get to Australia back then. You could have swum. So <laughs> very, did I mention he was. Took him five weeks. That's probably about right. Yeah, about right. Did I mention he was the world's greatest swimmer? Five no, weeks to swim from Florida to Melbourne. That's probably about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. A um, um, couple of rest stops. But I'm, I'm going to say it's the murderer. Um, well, I guess I'll say it's the other guy, the right, swimmer. Well. The quiz will be won by one of you. Ooh. They pulled down his pants. It's one of them then. It's not just some other random guy. <laughs> yeah. They pulled down his pants and they found he did not have a six-inch scar. He didn't have six inches of anything. Am I right? <laughs> they had just arrested John Stonehouse. Whoa. The guy who disappeared in Miami. Yeah. So the police officer said... You must be John Stonehouse. And according to his lawyer, Jeffrey Robertson, John Stonehouse pulled up his trousers, stood tall and proud, and declared, Yes, I am. I am a member of Her Majesty's Privy Council, and I demand my rights. (laughs) You suck. You just had your pants down, you idiot. I'm glad as he's pulling up his pants. And I have a 140 IQ. (laughs) I demand my rights. And a cup of tea. And... Can you let me know what my rights are? Yeah. What are my rights down here? What are my rights? So what are they? <laughs> yeah, I demand them, and I also demand to know what they are. Thank you. <laughs> it became clear that Stonehouse had faked his own death in Miami and then secretly travelled to Australia via Hawaii, Singapore, and Malaysia. It's a good way to do it. Beautiful way to see the world. 
and he'd used a, fa- a false passport and had met up with his mistress, Sheila Buckley. Sheila, great She's going to fit in her. here. Yeah, she'll fit right in. <laughs> well, come Sheila. on in. Why? I don't know. Australia does not feel like a good place to come to, I don't think. Why? Nah, good call. It just feels like, I mean, they're like, it sounds like they've got a good relationship cop to cop. In the Victorian oh, police over yeah. there and all that sort of stuff. I don't know. It just feels like. Yeah. Yeah, but what about the, the laneways? Oh, the coffee <laughs> culture. <laughs> coffee he Melbourne. loves a coffee. He loves a coffee. The graffiti laneways. Gorgeous. He's Gorgeous. Our, and the weather would probably be, you know, similar to yeah. the UK. And Maybe a bit on. warmer, but not too. It's not Queensland, you know, where that would just be blistering for, yeah, too hot. for a palm. And what about trams? We're one of only several dozen cities <laughs> in the world that have trams. And we're very proud of that. Yeah, absolutely sold a lie as a kid. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I d- and I would also say, how about you just deposit the money slower? Yeah. What, is it burning a hole in your pocket? And this isn't a, it like, you know, now we live in a fairly cashless society. Back then, just pay stuff yeah, in cash. Cash forever. Live on your cash. It's That's just, all right. He, like he's made a, come he's on, he's an economics guy. He doesn't want to miss out on the sweet, sweet interest. Yeah. He did it once. He deposited one big chunk and they're like, oh, that's interesting. But then he did it again with a different name. But isn't your isn't your mistress with you? Yeah. Get her to deposit some. Hell. She's not she's not getting the attention. Can't trust her with the money. This yeah. guy is, Women. is cock, <laughs> absolute cock up. Bloody send her to the bank. She come back with a new pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> send him to the bank. He'll come back with another failed business. <laughs> come back without his pants. <laughs> I lost him. But he does have his rights. Yeah, it just sounds like he's made a mess of this. Mm. Uh, it turned out he'd also taken out a £170,000 life insurance policy. Uh, his wife back home in England, however, was surprised as anyone that he was still alive. Oh. She had no idea. Oh. Yuck. He considered resigning as an MP. Considered resigning? <laughs> but what? Did you, this, this, he considered resigning. <laughs> he's, he's faked his own death and moved to Australia. No, this guy. Well, he's got it all backwards. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe politics isn't for me. I'm going to work remotely for <laughs> Melbourne. Can you imagine in those five weeks that they thought he's dead, they've probably started... They've had like a by-election yeah. or whatever, try and fill that seat. And now he's gone, I am a still an MP. <laughs> oh, my God. But there's a rule in the UK that I was not aware of, that an elected MP has no right to resign. Unless they oh. die or are expelled, they must become disqualified if they wish to retire before the end of a parliament. Okay, now what what qualifies you for disqualification? <laughs> Faking your own death? That doesn't count? So, since there's a rule, another rule that und- so you can't quit. Basically, you can't just go. Oh, I quit. You which can't what? quit me. That's what the Queen which, says to him. You we, can't which we quit me. in Australia absolutely can quit the Parliament if you, you want to. You should be able to quit any job. But there's an there's also another rule that an appointment to an office of profit under the Crown disqualifies an individual from sitting as a member of Parliament. That's confusing. I don't understand. So if you get another job where you're making money from the Crown, you can't be an MP because there's a conflict of interest. So if you become the Queen's personal bodyguard, yes. You can't. You can't also be an MP. Huh. So, so what? To, what they do is they have a position called Crown Steward and Bailiff of the Chiltern Hundreds, which is an amazing title. And if someone wants to resign, they can apply to be appointed to this position. And heaps of people have done it, including former Prime Minister Tony Blair when he was ah. in two thousand and seven when he wanted to resign. So. <laughs> Change the rules. Right? Isn't that so weird? So it's just this little, like, sort of dance you have to do to be like, I'd love to apply to be that. And they go, yeah, sure, no worries. And once you're there, they go, oh, actually, because you're that position, you can't be an MP anymore. Now you can leave 
And then you quit that job as well. Yeah, and then often if pe- multiple people want to quit in, in in one day, you might have it for the morning, and then so Matt will have funny. it in the afternoon. It's such a strange like process. Just, there's got to just rewrite that rule. What, who's got to the Queen will approve that, won't she? Or whoever has to. That's- Baffling. And John Stone has he got the paperwork to be appointed to the Chiltern Hound hundreds and considered resigning, but decided against it. Oh my god. He was oh, too yeah. proud. Too proud. <laughs> he, he just wanted to keep collecting the check. According to the Independent, he came up with a shallow defense. He said that he rapidly set about uh, constructing a defense, claiming he'd been facing blackmail from South African business partners and had suffered a brainstorm in Miami. So he basically said, I had a breakdown. But I'm still an MP. He tried to avoid extradition, so he still wants to be an MP, but stay in Melbourne. I mean, but, yeah, the, the laneways. Oh, well, the coffee culture. <laughs> the coffee. But he got six months of the trams because uh, he's eventually taken back to the UK to face trial. But he still refused to step down as a member of parliament. And you ask what, what it takes to get sacked. His party, who are in government, couldn't get rid of him because Stonehouse held the balance of power in Britain. If he resigned or was fired, the government would lose their majority. Oh, they only had one, had a one-seat majority, so they had to be... Basically, he could call the shots. As long as he wanted what to be in, they the were like, oh, fuck? we can't get rid of you. Despite being imprisoned in Brixton, awaiting trial for 18 charges, he was still a member of Parliament. Huh. He was bailed in August 1975 and gave a speech in Parliament two months later, although he was shunned by the other members. No one wanted a piece of him anymore. He went to trial, which lasted 68 days. His lawyer, Geoffrey Robertson, who would later go on to be a very successful human rights barrister, advised his client to plead guilty and get a lesser sentence. But Stonehouse was again too Too proud. proud. He fired his lawyer and decided... To represent himself. Of course he did. He's got a high IQ. <laughs> that always ends well. Yeah. Love it. And rather than be cross-examined, so he didn't want to take questions. Instead, he gave a statement that went for over 30 hours. <laughs> he filibustered. He just kept talking shit. I hate him. What? A 30-hour statement. Um, what else? Well, what else do I want to talk about? Um, yeah, when I was seven. What else what do you do? Know? Sorry. Hey, how are you? what do you do? I'm the judge. What's your name? Okay. What's your, what's your name? <laughs> a bit of crowd work. Oh, yeah, judge. Oh, yeah, judging. You look pretty judgy. Hey, get a laugh out of you. Hey. All right. Um, what about you? What do you do? Bailiff. Oh, okay. Uh, ba- 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 yeah. But ba- yeah. All right. Nothing there. All right. Um, who else we got? Who's in the audience tonight? Ah, jury number one. <laughs> uh, not surprisingly, the judge was not impressed with this arrogant man, and when he was inevitably found guilty, he was sentenced to the full seven years in prison. I'd be a horrendous judge. <laughs> as soon as anybody vaguely arrogant came in, I'd be like death. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> death, death. With his like, Jess, we don't do that anymore. Okay. Death. <laughs> death to you as well. <laughs> and death to you. Life in prison. He just, like, he, he's just a little bit of tax fraud. Death. Get out of here. Next. Just be a nice person. <laughs> so he's found guilty. Seven years. He could have got two. The lawyer reckons if he if he just pled guilty, but pleaded guilty. Too proud for his own good. It still took him uh, eleven days after the conviction to resign as a member of the Privy Council. Whoa. So 
He, he tried to hang on as an MP, despite being sentenced to seven years jail. This forced Prime Minister James Callaghan to form the Liberal Labor Pact to stay in power because they lost the majority. Right. Uh, and then uh, Margaret Thatcher later took over. Uh, his wife, Barbara, who despite the fact that he'd faked his own death to be with another woman, sat quietly by him during the trial. Barbara. Oh, Barbara. Barbara. Barbara cut him loose. <laughs> but she did quietly divorce him when he was jailed. So I heard an interview with the lawyer uh, years later saying that he was like, she was one of the most impressive stoic women I've ever seen. Like, this, she just sound, that just sounds very British to me. Yep, just yeah. quietly supported quietly and then going, sat there. behind the scenes going, you fucked yep. up. Because I think also done. his lover... Sheila was also in the courtroom, so how awkward. Oh, that sucks. Uh, I don't know if this is actually true because the only place I saw it was on this new website called wikipedia.org. But uh, apparently, quote, whilst in prison, he complained that the prison workshop where he worked played pop music on the radio station. Ugh. Didn't like that. 1970s pop, what have been glam? Ugh. What are we hearing? I want to rock and roll all night. <laughs> Make it stop. Dun, 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 and party, party every day. day. That's fun. <laughs> that guy's got no soul. <laughs> Fuck this guy. He did write, uh, his brother wrote an unanswered letter to the Home Secretary complaining about John's state. He said, quote, Now it is a sad fact that John is put to work cleaning out the lavatories, a job considered light duties. And he carries out these tasks with his usual thoroughness, no doubt. So he, he cleaned the toilet real good. He's proud. He's going to clean that bowl. Uh, suffering increasingly from a heart condition, Stonehouse served three years of his seven-year sentence before being released from prison early on grounds of health, after which he married his secretary, Sheila Buckley. So she stuck by him. Stand go. by your man. <laughs> Even when he's in prison. I think that's how that goes. Yeah. It's beautiful, beautiful song, beautiful. I got nothing against staying with people while they're in prison. I'm just saying this guy sucks. (laughs) In the final years of his life, he wrote three novels and made media appearances mostly to discuss his disappearance. That's why. That's what he was most famous for. (laughs) So be on chat shows and they're like, oh, the man who faked his own death. Um, I was a spy for Czechoslovakia. <laughs> yeah. huh? Ask huh? me about that. Huh? <laughs> I wrote three novels. I'm interesting. <laughs> I'm cool. No, That's, yeah, not. it's like, uh, you, you know, the, when someone's doing a press tour for a book and uh, people just want to ask them about this thing they were famous for in the 80s, yeah. they're, like, they're like, oh, do the voice. Oh. Oh, I just <laughs> want to talk about the book. <laughs> My publicist is making me do this. Can I don't do that voice anymore. <laughs> I'm quite a serious artist now. Yeah. Yeah, like Steve Martin promoting like a banjo tour or something. <laughs> Have you ever thought of going back, back going back to comedy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> uh, on 20, the 25th of March, 1988, Stonehouse abruptly collapsed on set during an edition of Central Weekend in Birmingham during the filming of a program about missing people. So that's, that always wheel him out. He was hospitalised, discharged, but three weeks later he suffered another massive heart attack and he died. For real this time. Okay, are we sure? The Guardian ran a headline that said... Stonehouse, twice born, twice dead. Twice born? Twi- Honestly, if we wanted to link it back to James Bourne, it should have said... James Bourne. You only live twice. Oh, yeah. That would have been quite good. That would have been way better. I would have been out by then too, so... Come on, guys. Come on. Twice born, twice dead. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't get it. Because <laughs> what are they saying? He was reborn in Melbourne. Yeah. Oh, okay. As, mm, no. It's loose, isn't yeah. it? It's tenuous. Yeah. You only live twice is better. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's I reckon I would have won the pitch that day. Yeah, they You only up. die twice. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Maybe. No, it's yeah, not. No, no, but that, that implies he's dead. I like it. <laughs> he so is that, dead. It's not an implication. <clears throat> so that's John Stonehouse. But what happened to our old mate, Lord Lucan? Yeah. Eating goats. Well, he went missing at midnight, November 8th, 1974. He left without his passport, checkbook or license, and his bank accounts were never touched again. <gasps> A large search was undertaken, tracking dogs were used locally, and it became an international manhunt. But despite this, no definitive sign of Lord Lucan has ever been found. Whoa. That's right. This is a mystery oh. episode. Oh. Wow. That's... Uh, justice was not done in that, this case. He's the one you really wanted to be found. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a shame. Uh, over the decades, hundreds of sightings have been reported. He's been spotted as a waiter in San Francisco, managing a clothes shop in South Africa, living in a neo-Nazi colony in Paraguay, living as a hippie musician called Jungly Barry in Goa in India, <laughs> backpacking on Mount Etna, working on a sheep station in the Australian outback, or being fed to tigers named Zora at his old mate Aspinall Howlett's zoo. Being fed to tigers are like that. Mm. <laughs> what, that... Yeah, I mean, that, all of those, especially being becoming food, would be a real change of direction <laughs> yeah, for him. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a real change-up. He's never been food before. Aspinall, who owns the zoo and also the uh, upmarket den, mm. reportedly responded when questioned about this. He said, my tigers are only fed the choicest cuts. Do you really think they're going to eat stringy old Lucky? <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Bit of fun. Very good. Yeah, great. Cop that. Quality of your meat. <laughs> No good. No good. Not good enough for my targets. No, thank you. Uh, honestly, he's been spotted all over, and even now, people have the have these little theories and investigations, and periodically, he still makes the news. Roger Woodgate, an Englishman who lived in a Land Rover in New Zealand with a goat called Camilla. <gasps> what? <laughs> so a goat, and also it's called Camilla, his daughter's name. What? Was so that man was accused of being Lord Lucan in 2007, although he was 10 years younger and five inches shorter. Well, I mean, that can, they can fake that. They yeah. can definitely fake you that. You shrink as you age. And you can lop off five inches. And he might have had good um, moisturiser, yeah. good skincare routine. Yeah. <laughs> but he was found living with a goat. <laughs> wow, that's wild. Is it, you know the phrase, <laughs> blow goats or something like that? Go blow a goat. Is that a saying? Uh, in Wayne's World it is. Wayne's World, Do you remember? Right. He holds was... up a sign that says, this guy blows goats, yeah. I have proof. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying it's a saying. It was used once in Wayne's World. I knew it was familiar somehow. So uh, he's still being spotted as recently as 2020. So last year there was a report that he was alive and living in Perth. And the discovery was reported by Neil Berryman, who it turns out is the son of the nanny Sandra Rivet, who Lord Lucan had murdered. Oh. How... Neil found out about his birth mother's, birth mother's death only after his adopted mother died. So he'd been adopted. Right. And he never knew. And now he's trying to. And crack now the he's case. like, he found out and he's cracking it. You're right. <gasps> Neil claims that he had discovered his mother's murderer living in Perth as an elderly Buddhist man in a share house. If he was still alive, he'd now be 86 years old. Wow. So it's possible. Wow. It's not the first time he's been linked to Perth. A book published in 2003 by a former Scotland Yard detective claimed the fugitive aristocrat was, long, was a long-haired alcoholic banjo player called Barry Halpin who had played in a Perth group called the Mucky Duck Bush Band. 
Mucky Duck Bush Band. So is there any way that they can, they'd be able to prove it? Do they have his DNA on file or anything like that? Probably well, not. It's never been definitively proved. His wife, Veronica Lucan, dismissed all the claims over the years as nonsense, reiterating that her husband was, quote, not the sort of Englishman to cope abroad. She's <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. An incredible burn. So good. That's great. Oh, yeah, he's going to go to Australia, is he? Okay. Yeah, he's on a sheep station. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's living as a Buddhist. Okay, sure. He's got long hair. Okay. She always thought that he'd probably jump to his death from a ferry and that his body had just never been found. Right. That was her theory. Yeah, I suspect that he that he's he's died somewhere. An inquest was held in 1974 and named Lord Lucan as the murderer of Sandra Rivett. So they had a, an investigation. It's not quite a trial because he's not there. But most people's theory is that he mistook the nanny for the wife, bludgeoned the wrong person, and then realised that you know the net was closing in. And his motive was... Getting his kids? I'm a bad dad. I'm a, yeah, uh, paranoia that she would take the kids away from him. But the court had said... You can see your kids on the weekend. Yeah. And all of his behaviour was, I don't, I'm, I, I'm not in this, you know. Like, it's not like it, was her, it wasn't her fault that he was gambling all day and night. No. no. I want these kids because I love my kids, so I'm going to traumatise them by killing their mother. Yeah. He was declared dead in 1999, but a death certificate wasn't issued, which meant his son couldn't inherit his father's titles. Oh. oh. This changed in 2016 when the death certificate was finally issued and his son, George, was able to become the eighth Lord of Lucan and he's still alive as the eighth Lord. Yeah, right. Was the, um, the, was it 99 a coincidence that that was also when the House of Lords was ended? Is that what you said before? Uh, yes, I think, no, just over the years that his son had, because he'd become an adult in that time, had kept pushing to say, look, you know, he's probably dead. Yeah. And apparently they, they did keep it open. They didn't issue issue a death certificate for a while, I think, to help out Lady Veronica so that she was able to get financial support. Yeah, right. okay, right, yeah. And, and then oh, once cool. the kids are grown up. Um, so, yeah, his son speculated in 2016 after being, uh, you know, he, he went to court lots of times to try and get the death certificate issued. And when it was, he thinks his father died that night, probably ending his own life. He remarked, to hear that your father is racist, a snob, a poster boy for the aristocracy in the 70s, didn't sit very well with a rather charming, rather lovely and kind man that I knew. Nevertheless, people, if they leave a party early, get to be speculated about, don't they? So he said. So he's yeah, now living as the 8th Earl of Lucan. And just as postscript on the other guy, John Stonehouse. Yeah. Remember how he was accused of being a spy for Czechoslovakia? Yes. Well, it wasn't until 2010, 22 years after he died, that declassified documents revealed that he was, in <gasps> fact, Whoa. a spy. It was revealed that then Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher had agreed in 1980 to cover up revelations that Stonehouse had been a Czech spy since the 60s as there was insufficient evidence to bring him to trial. When he was junior minister for aviation, it is alleged he was paid £5,000, the equivalent of nearly £71,000 in today's money, for crucial crucial information on Britain's planes and future aviation plans. Wow. Yeah. Was, was he motivated to buy just the money, or did he actually was he trying to support the Czechoslovakian cause? No, he was always just looking for a way to make extra money. Right. Yeah, and then so Margaret Thatcher and knew about it, but then look, it's an, what's the point in now? So he's it, an old, he's an old dying man, and yeah. also we don't have enough evidence to give him to trial. So she agreed to to just 
hush it up. And it was only we found out decades later. And he, oh, amazing that he, um, yeah, and he was already in jail for other things at that point, right? Yeah, or, he'd already been to jail, yeah. yeah, and had been released from prison because of his heart yes. condition, yeah. Oh, that's, so she thought, let's not create a scandal. I mean, that's the big, that's that's another, well, he was he the gambler? No. No. He was the businessman. But, that I mean, that's a, a gamble that didn't pay off, right? If it was just for that five grand, I mean, it cost him his job yeah, and everything. Yeah, that's what spiraled everything out of control. But, all, yeah. you, like, surely in your head somewhere you're going, oh, is this the right thing to do? Is this worth it? Is worth it? Uh, the confirmation that Stonehouse was a paid spy for the Czechs also makes him the only British politician to have acted as a foreign agent whilst a minister. So that's probably a claim you don't want to have. Is on. he in the, in the Guinness Book yeah, of Records? Yeah. yeah, good for him. <laughs> What a title to have. So there it is. That, uh, that is my report on the two disappearing MPs, two very different guys who just both happened to disappear within the same fortnight in 1974. A, yeah, amazing that, I mean, that that feels like two full reports. Yeah, it, it, yeah I did try and put two stories together That's, there. Yeah. Uh, great work, Dave. Yeah. It just the coincidence of it blew my mind when yeah. I discovered, hang on, because Lord both Lucan... John, right? Yeah. That is wild. <laughs> <laughs> Lord Lucan's been suggested a whole bunch in the hat, because um, that's quite a famous story, especially in, in the UK, the fact that, you know, he, he murdered the nanny and disappeared. But uh, to, when I found out about the other guy, I was like, well, I've got to mention him as well. Yeah. And then it sort of blew out of right. control and I just reported on both. That's amazing. Great job, Dave. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you Couple so much. Really tragic stories. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, wild stories too. Great stuff. And now it's time for everyone's favourite section of the show where we get to thank our supporters. Uh, and you can get involved there at patreon.com slash dogoonpod or dogoonpod.com. And uh, there's all sorts of uh, rewards you get for supporting the show, including three bonus episodes each month. We do a, an extra uh, report. Much like the the normal show, we also do an, a quiz or some other such thing, and we do an episode of our Phrasing the Bar podcast, which is a podcast that goes through the films of Brendan Fraser, the greatest actor of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, or that's what we thought when we started the series. Um, <laughs> hey, don't worry, we've got George of the Jungle coming out this month. We're all good. And uh, actually, I just watched it the other day. <laughs> I was bored. I was home alone. I was looking for something to watch. I was on Disney Plus and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it early. I'm going to do it. And still good? It is still good. You love to hear it. The first thing we like to do, though, when we uh, thank our supporters is do the fact, quote, or question section, which has a little jingle that goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question. Ding. He always remembers the ding. And the way to get involved in this is to go to one of those websites, get involved on the Sydney Scheinberg level. Then you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question. You also get to give yourself a title. And then I read four of them out each week. Uh, I don't read them out until I read them out. So I don't know what's coming. No one else does. <laughs> No so, one else knows. So, no one sees it coming. <laughs> so just sit on the, the edge of your seat with me <laughs> as I read out this one from Michael DeRizzi, who's given himself the title Chief's Halftime Hopeful. <laughs> I, I, oh, okay. Makes more sense on you. <laughs> I'm like the ch- Chiefs. They're an, 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 an NFL team. Oh, well, I mean, Kansas they're City? Kansas City Chiefs. They're the champions. Uh, he's given us a fact here, and the fact is... I'm writing this during halftime of Super Bowl 55. So this is from a while ago. I've started trying to um, uh, separate them so it's not it's not when they come in. I, I'm trying to, like, sort them out so that everyone oh, gotcha. gets a go before we go back around or whatever. 
Uh, so, uh, Michael's prolific fact quote question. I love your work, Michael. Uh, so he writes, I'm writing this during halftime of Super Bowl 55. My Chiefs are down by a score of 21 to 6. I might be having a mat-like day tomorrow if things don't turn around. <laughs> I will always strive for the crunch. <laughs> the year before, my team, the 49ers, lost the Super Bowl. And in the, I mean, either way, I was having a few beers and then I had to rush here and yeah. do an episode about the fabulous Cook Mm-hmm. Julia mm-hmm. Child. Very good. Child. Child. Children would be the plural. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for that fact, Michael. Fantastic oh. fact. They didn't win, though, did they? No, they didn't. Oh, dear. Uh, so but they won the year before. They, right. they the, the year that I did Julia Child, they won yeah. that day. And, so. the, and okay. didn't they give that young, unknown Tom Brady a go at winning? <laughs> no, that, Tom Brady beat him. That's what I mean. Oh yes, they, <laughs> that was my, a bit. they gave yeah, him they, a go. Rather than going, rather than going, thank you. Rather than it. selfishly going back to back, they let this young upstart have <laughs> yeah. a ring yeah. for the first, possibly the first, his Give first it a ring. Go, mate. Hey, you'll love it. Bit of fun. There. You'll love a win. Tried to do an NFL joke, didn't quite work. Sorry, no, sorry. Did. I'll stick to my lane. It did. I just it didn't did. understand. Matt missed it. Even I got it. Oh, I didn't God. understand basic English there. <laughs> when you said let, they let him have a go, I thought you meant on. Their team. Their team. <laughs> but that was silly by me and I'm embarrassed by it. Yeah, you should be. Thank you so much, Michael, for that fact. The next one comes from Colin and Lee Wright, who have given themselves the title of Pat- Patreon Fact Quote or Question Well Repair Technicians. Oh. Um, fixing the well. <laughs> oh, we need that. We need water. <laughs> I'm so thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> And <laughs> Thank you, Dave. It was funny. It is funny. It's funny. <laughs> Colin and Lee have written a question, and it goes like this. I don't know if you've already been asked this, but if each of you wrote a book, what would it be about? Sometimes I, Colin, think about writing a book about family and how crazy family life dynamics and drama can be. I lived somewhere for a while where folks would have to leave their family for long periods of time as migrant workers in another country. They would sometimes start whole other secret families and have kids in both countries. Often the families would find... Are you talking about other people here, Cullen? Or is this a <laughs> My <confession>? friend. <laughs> uh, often the families would find out about each other and I think there are a lot of poignant stories to be told there through the lens of a fictional novel. But then I'd be appropriating other people's experiences and profiting the, off them, so maybe not. <laughs> Cullen, I think, you, I think you're allowed to find... Real life, I don't understand. I actually don't know what the what, what the rules are. Rules are there. Mm. Feels like you're you're allowed to be inspired by real stories, but maybe not. Uh, I Lee now would write about Spanish colloquialisms <laughs> and all the different regional and cultural sayings. I learned Spanish and lived around a lot of native speakers from all over the world, and the different turns of phrase are fascinating. For example, some people from Mexico told me how when you see a girl you find attractive, you ask what time she goes for bread, which I think is beautiful. (laughs) 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 I do. uh, Thank you so much uh, to Colin and Lee for answering their own question. That's something we ask. If you do ask a question in the Fat Quota Question section, you answer it. They're two very different book suggestions. Dave, you must have thought about this. You're a book lover. You've got a book show. Oh, oh, gosh, I don't know. Maybe, you know, they often say write what you know. Yeah. You know? So you're writing about having a little dick. (laughs) 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 It's called My Life with a Tiny Dick. A a novella. (laughs) 
<laughs> Halfway through, I was like, are you going to say it, Jess? That's really... Are you going to say yeah, it? The opening line is, it's really small. <laughs> like, really small. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Sorry. Um, Sorry. I'm all meant like, I don't know, like playing in a band or something. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Another weed Like the weed the weed haunted story. Yeah. Or would you be a fictionalized version? What about uh, my tiny dick in brackets? The weed haunted story. <laughs> That's what you call it. Yeah. <laughs> a little weed haunted down there. Uh, what about you, Bopper? Bananas. Oh, a book about banana, fa- banana facts? No. <laughs> oh, like a, a, a fictional yes. life of the banana. I'm not giving too much away because right. you're going to steal it. Okay. But it's going to be a bestseller. That's Banana. It's an allegory. Oh. oh. That's really clever. Thank you. Have you read Rang the Corey Hotline recently? <laughs> Story. <laughs> Here are some words that rhyme with Corey. Story. Lori. <laughs> allegory. <laughs> That's good fun. What about you, Matt? Uh, book. A book about... I once I had a note, or I thought it was such a good idea for a book. At one point, I had this note written down, and I'm like, one day I'll write this book. And and I saw it, and I was going through notepads recently. And I'm like, that's not anything. <laughs> I was like, uh, and I said, it was. It's called In a Loop, and it was about a guy who was mm. caught in a loop. <laughs> what kind of Everything loop? he had songs looping through his head, but his life was also in a, a loop. Oh, he could eat every day back around to the same spot. God, it feels like that, doesn't it? <laughs> Was like, I mean, nothing, you do because you go back to, to your bed. Every right. Day. I mean, a lot of ways, life it's, is a loop. Yeah, life is a loop. He also worked in a noose factory. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just riffing here. But <laughs> <laughs> he was a cowboy. Uh huh. A lot of subtext there. Yeah. Um, he wore big dangly earrings. There were loops. Okay. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Oh, they're hoops, aren't they? Hoops, yeah. Fuck. But it's it's a similar. I, mean, I get it. They're both oops. Yeah. They were <laughs> and he made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. I'll write a book about the history of the St. Kilda Football Club. All right, thank you so much, Colin and Lee. This one's from Sophie Chuta or Shooter. I always get it wrong and I always second guess myself. Sophie, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Sophie's given herself the title Group Mum, Hydrate. Get an early night, and for goodness sakes, quiet down. <laughs> quiet down, or I'll make <laughs> you go next door and apologise for the noise. Mom! Thank you, Sophie. Sophie's asked a question as well. Sophie's question is, do you have a quote from a TV show you use all the time? I use a few, but the Grandpa Simpson quote, a Can little from column A <laughs> and a little from column B, comes out my mouth several times a week. Can I come too? Yeah, it's a, a big yeah. one. Um, oh, good question. Oh, I definitely do. I can't. I can't think straight off the top of my head. But yeah, heaps. Yeah, I do too, and I can't think of any now either. Yeah, Dave, um, kick us off. I always just, I always just say, no, my son is also named Port. <laughs> <laughs> that's no context. Yeah. Just like saying it. That comes in handy all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's good. No, I also have a son named Port. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> what about you, Bob? No, I can't think of any. Definitely, yeah, Simpsons ones. You'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. Um, um, it's got to be stuff from Parks and Rec that I say a bit. Uh, from uh, Pugwall Summer, sometimes I'll say, we'll give them the old key change trick. That'll get them. <laughs> no one knows what, uh, they, in this episode, they were, it, was a, it was a kid's show in the 90s about a, an Aussie band of teenagers and they were 
they were called the Orange Organics. And at one point, their school principal wanted his nephew to sing in the band, and he was awful. He was a real dork. <laughs> So they go, we'll use the old key change trick. That'll get him. <laughs> and they play this song and they just keep looping it around. Looping? Oh, my God. Can I use this? <laughs> and they uh, upper key each time. And he's going, there was something. There was something. There was something. I'm sorry. I can't go on. And they got him. Yes. And then their singer came back in and then they started rocking again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they got him. I don't know why that came to mind. I would wow. never say that. But do you reckon I could use that in the wheat the story? Yeah, <laughs> but use I will not be using it in banana. Trick. Yeah, you don't need our ideas. I don't need it. I'm gonna fucking. I'm gonna be rich. Oh, we, oh yeah, that's the kind of one I, I'll notice them all the time. Yeah, yeah, heaps. From now on, one that my brother and I used to say a bit was like cross the T's and dot the lower ca- the dot the lowercase I's. It's from Wayne's World. Wayne's World uh, Two. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Wayne's World, hey, I'm in Delaware. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love saying, uh, excuse me? Yeah, baking, baking powder? powder? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's full of Yeah. <laughs> Creepy <Creeple> palm. <laughs> <laughs> I never got that. I saw that ad that, uh, years and years that, later. I, got, I, also, I always found it very funny. I thought it was though. very funny oh. until I saw the ad. Yeah. <laughs> what about um, uh, when Garth... Uh, he sleeps with that beautiful woman and he comes out in the robe the next morning and says, good morning, darling. I trust you slept well. <laughs> and he's, he's blowing a little bubble. Yeah. I say that a bit too. Good morning, darling. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Wayne's was so full of them. Yeah. Mean girls in there a lot too. Anyway, lots. There's a Dana Carvey stand-up bit that gets in my head sometimes when I'm Cooking dinner, he talks. About, I can't remember what the vegetable is, so it's not uh, worth saying. But he, <laughs> fuck. There's one where Garth does a big drum solo in the shop, oh. and somebody's like, "That was amazing," and he's like, "I like to play." I say I like to play a lot too. Yeah, that's to play. Okay, so Wayne's World. Yeah, yeah, we just quite- <laughs> we've gone off track a bit. Did they ever do a TV version of that? Um, anti-dentai. Did they ever do a TV <laughs> version of that? It was adapted from the TV SNL sketch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really made a fool of myself there, Dave. I'm glad you found that so amusing. <laughs> this fool didn't even realise it came from an SNL sketch. Come on, that's pretty funny. Yeah, Got him. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. You thought you assassinated me on the Sass Twin episode. <laughs> I let that go. <laughs> That was really embarrassing for you, Dave. All right, and the next one is from... <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Suraj Pyrrhus, which is said like penis. And that's how he told me it's pronounced, and I have to think of that every time. Pyrrhus penis. Okay. As in it's said like penis, as in it's pronounced penis? <laughs> oh, I always assumed he, he meant penis with an R, but yeah, maybe... I maybe think it's probably penis with an R. He's just <laughs> Suraj penis. You? Um... <laughs> So Siraj, finally, he's got a quote, uh, but his title is Possible Record Holder for Dialing the Victorian Vaccination Booking Hotline. Oh. Yeah, that sounds frustrating. Uh, Siraj, I work with someone who says that she called 300 times before she oh, got through. Oh, jeez. What? I work with someone who said they called 300 what? times before they got through to the vaccination hotline. <laughs> Just redial, redial, redial. I'm not doing that 300 times. Ah, uh, yeah, that sucks. All right, so Siraj has a quote, and it is, if you think you are too small to make a difference, 
Try sleeping with a mosquito. Ah, uh, <laughs> That's yes. the Dalai Lama. Yeah, that's great. See, Dave, you tell that to your penis. What? Doesn't that it does sound like it does sound like the Dalai Lama's like saying fuck a fuck mosquito? Banging, yeah, the Dalai Lama has absolutely banged a mosquito. Yeah, that is sleeping with I a find mosquito. That inspirational. That's beautiful. At least the mosquito prick would make yours look big, <laughs> or would it? What? No. <laughs> I don't know how we got here. We all know Dave's got a huge schlong. Um, <laughs> Too big. Edit edit all of that out if you need to, and probably do. All right. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the next thing we love to do is thank, uh, oh, sorry, I should say thank you so much to Siraj, Sophie, Colin, Lee and Michael for their facts, their quotes and questions. Get on it, uh, dugonpod.com or patreon.com slash dugonpod if you want to get involved in that. You can also, uh, if you're on the shout out level, get a little shout out, which we'll do now. Uh, Jess, you normally come up with a little game for us here. Where have they fled to? Where have they fled to? Fantastic. Uh, no, or their fake name. Oh, what was when the fake name, When they open a bank account. Oh, is it Clive, Clive Mildoon? Clive Mildoon. Clive Mildoon. I don't know. Is there something <clears throat> better there? Probably. I think fake names is fun. Fake names. All right. So first, I'd love to thank from Nagata in Japan, Tom Jenkins. Tom Jenkins. Tom Jenkins is already a pretty good. It's a great name. How's your Japanese, Dave? (gasps) No, good. I mean, I did the five years of primary school. Yeah. Did you? I remember Pinku and Orangey. Pink and orange. <laughs> okay. So what's double I? Do you know what double I would do to a, a place name? I'm not sure if it's Niigata. I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, thank you so much, Tom Jenkins, or fake name. Gary Sunday. Gary Sunday. Nice. Great. Spell E or Y on the end. Uh, sounds delicious. E. <laughs> oh, I'll, oh, I'll yeah. have a Gary Sunday. Yes, please. <laughs> Gary Sunday. Welcome. I panicked. Thanks so I much. Like it. it's oh, good. Gary Sunday. Gary Sunday. I think Tom, <laughs> yeah, Tom will be fake. stoked with that. Sounds fake. I like it. <laughs> uh, thank you so much to you, Tom. I'd also love to thank from Upper Hut in New Zealand. Cat. No surname. Oh. Okay. Dog. Oh, just one name. Cat dog. Dog Dog Johnson. Dog Johnson. Wow, Dog Johnson. How's it going? <laughs> dog Johnson, nice to meet you. It's dog. the complete opposite of cat, so <laughs> they'll never love it. Nobody on the And the opposite know. of not having a last name? Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Something Dave doesn't know. Dog Johnson. <laughs> How are we here? <laughs> the opposite of not having a last name is Johnson. <laughs> That's great. (laughs) And finally from me, I'd love to thank from Austin, Texas. Beautiful Austin, Texas. Stay weird. I think that's what they say. Justin Leach. Brandon Thunder. Oh, Oh, Brandon Thunder. Race car driver. Mm. That is hot. That's that's his cover. Yeah, I drive cars. He's real bad at it. He's like, yeah, I'm a championship uh, race car driver. Give me a car. Give me a car. I'll I'll drive drive it. I'll drive it real fast. Oh, stacked it again. (laughs) 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 Stacked it, stacked it in a car is very funny because that's like, like fell off a scooter, like a little, little rolly scooter. Yeah, he stacked it. He stacked it. You can't, you can't say, oh no, wild beast. How do you tame this beast? Stacking it in a car is so funny. Ow, my stomach. 
<laughs> okay. Who's taking some people now? I'd love to, if you don't mind. I'd love to thank from Great Britain in... Great Britain? <laughs> My good. Otto Exeter. I don't know what that is. Uh, Thomas... Surname withheld. Okay, so Ooh. Johnson. Something Johnson. What's the opposite of Thomas? Uh, uh, frog. Johnson. Amame. Frog Amame? Oh, Frog, jo- frog Amame Johnson. Frog Amame Johnson. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I'd like to open an account. All right, what's your name? Frog Amame Johnson. Okay. Why? Why is Frog the opposite of Thomas? What are we are we doing opposites? Well, that's what he said. Oh, it's the opposite of Thomas, and he said, and he said frog. frog, and then he just said, and then he just went amame. I was in his own. I thought we were just doing like that free. Oh, okay. That no. free brain oh, thing. No, yeah, yeah. So no. I freed my brain so much that I missed frog. Very clear instruction. Frog amame Johnson. Oh, the opposite of Tom. I love it. Frog. Honestly, I love it. I, I'm here for that. Oh, big time. Obsessed with it. Frog amame Johnson. Frog amame Johnson is incredible. <laughs> Good luck to you. <laughs> Frogamama is the Frogamama. Uh, Next up, I would like to thank from address withheld. I can only assume it's deep within the <laughs> fortress of the moles. We should shout out the mole people. Oh, there. mole people, praise be. <laughs> I would like to thank Trent Bartlett. Okay, Trent Bartlett. What about Bruce? Yes. Hotloaf. Oh, yeah. He sounds delicious as well. <laughs> Bruce Hotloaf. Put it there. Put it there. Put it there. Bruce He's got a really good handshake. <laughs> Hey, he always looks in the eyes when he gives you a handshake. Bruce, hot lake. If you give him a dead fish, he will crush that fish. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I changed his name. Not hot lake. What was it? Hot loaf. Hot loaf. <laughs> Bruce, hot loaf. Pleasure to meet you. Uh, good on you, Trent from within the fortress of the moles. Finally, I would like to thank from Toronto in Canada. It is Christian Pearson. Christian Pearson. The opposite, of course, being. Heathen Apple Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Heathen Apple Dad. That's the opposite of a pear being an apple. <laughs> Heathen Apple Dad. And his son being a dad. <laughs> this is the most fun I've ever had with this. Heathen Apple Dad. Oh. <laughs> That's Love so it. Good. Christian Pearson, he's an apple dad. Uh, can I thank some people as well? Please. I would love to thank from Nunda in Queensland, Gabby and Ivy. Oh, Gabby and Ivy. So I guess two names we're going to come up with. Yeah, so uh, Gabby. I think but we don't Gabbo. know their surname, so it's Johnson. Okay. Surname Johnson, so we need two first names. I think Gabby, had... Gabbo, Dave, so maybe Krusty and uh, Ivy. Ebony. Krusty and Ebony. Beautiful. Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> the Johnson. All the Johnsons as they normally know. Yeah. Welcome the Johnsons. Crusty and Ebony Johnson. So Beautiful good. couple name. <laughs> what would their celebrity couple name be then, Jess? Crusty and Ebony. Crebony. Crebony. Oh, Crebony's oh, good. Crebony. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Just gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> I would also love to think from Abbotsford in uh, British Columbia, Canada. Aaron Dawson. Okay. Uh, okay. 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 Oh, I, oh, the opposite of Dawson is, of course, Creek. Pa- Pacey. Okay. Yes. yes. Pacey. And the opposite of what was Aaron. 
What, a name that starts with Z? Like yeah. Z- oh, Zelda Pacey? Oh, Zelda, yeah. Zelda Pacey. Zelda Pacey is a beaut. That's a nice name. That's yeah. good. Zelda Pacey. Look, I like Aaron Dawson, but Zelda Pacey's fantastic. <laughs> Who's Aaron Dawson? I only know <laughs> Zelda Pacey. There we go. And finally, I would love to thank from Newark in DE. Is that? That would be... Is that Delaware? It is Delaware. <laughs> the only D state. I'm in Delaware. Uh, I would love to thank Joelle Hannon-Crop. Oh, did not really need a fake it's name. It's incredible. Joelle Hannon-Crop. Joelle, I say this about a lot of names. That is one of the best I've ever heard. Joelle Hannon-Crop is incredible. All right, I, would, all right, well, I would buy a ticket to your TED Talk like that. I wouldn't even need to see the topic. Should we? I, don't, I know the surname is a well-known drought. What's the first name? Anon, anonymous, yeah. well-known. Crop. Drought. Yes. <laughs> so what's the opposite of Joel? Uh, mm. jo- Jack and Jill. No, Joe and... <laughs> Cup of Joe's, coffee. Yes. Okay, so T's the opposite of coffee. Yes. So an L. Earl what's... Grey. Earl. <laughs> Earl Grey, well-known drought. <laughs> <laughs> We've done it! <laughs> We've absolutely done it. <laughs> like, we nailed that. Joel, did you just consult a random word generator? <laughs> so yes. thank you so much to the uh, people previously known as Joel, Aaron, Gabby, <laughs> Ivy, Christian, Trent, Thomas, Justin, Kat, and Tom. Uh, all legends. And I, I think you'll all enjoy your new identities. Uh, and the last thing we like to do is welcome a few people into our Triptych Club. So... Uh, we've got five inductees this week. These people have been on the shout-out level for three straight years, shout-out level or above, and uh, they're welcomed into the Triptych Club uh, with a bunch of other people who we've welcomed in over the last, or the previous probably, I don't know how long, maybe a year now. Yeah. And uh, everyone's in there milling about having a great old time. This place exists in our hearts, but also physically, where is it? Where's the physical location this month, Jess? It is. Is on an island, which I will not disclose. An undisclosed island, otherwise people will find Except it. Except everybody would turn up. Yes. So uh, I'm on the door. I've got the clipboard. I've got the guest list. I'm going to read out the names. Jess is inside. She's made some uh, drinks. What's yes. the cocktail this week? The cocktail is, of course, I've forgotten most of the story. Uh, Lost um, at Sea. What, yes. what's it, what does it include? It includes uh, blue... Caracao. Yes. That's how everybody And a salty said it. rim. Salty rim. And <laughs> speak for yourself. And a little a little edible shark in there. Oh, delicious. <laughs> Bit of fun. And Dave, you've booked a band who's who's playing tonight. Uh, in honor of um, uh, the story today, Lord has been booked. Whoa. Wow. Okay, it took <laughs> a while to Lord out Luke. I, I was gonna say in honor of Lord Luke. I didn't want to say that because because he's obviously a piece of shit. Yeah. But uh, we got Lord in, yeah. and she's great. She's amazing. Okay, and uh, now I'll, I'll bring the people in. I'll read out your names, open up the uh, velvet rope here. Uh, <laughs> Dave will then hype you up, because <laughs> you're welcomed into the club. You want to feel good. Dave yes. will make you feel good. And then he it takes a lot of effort for Dave to make people feel good, so Jess will then build up Dave as well. In case you're listening for the first time and it's confusing, that is what's going on. So we've got... Five inductees this week. Right, hit me. Let's go through. From Falls Church in Virginia, it's Mike Schubert. Oh. Schubert. We won't be falling over tonight. Yes. From Vancouver in British Columbia, Canada, it's 
Hiroj Fernando. Do you hear the drums, Hiroj Fernando? <laughs> oh, come on. The hype. The hype. I'm hoping he's off today. Yes. yes. <laughs> is, that a, is that a hype or a ghost? <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, no, honestly, keep it up. It's very funny. It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your heart's not in it, and I'm loving it. <laughs> From Edinburgh in Great Britain, it's Dylan Harvey Elvis Humphrey. Oh, my God. The best name I've ever heard. Ah, uh, well, we had the, the King Elvis is in tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Slow clap. From Dulwich or Dulwich Hill in New South Wales, Australia, it's Sean. Sean. Sean Dunn. Oh, I thought this night was done, but it's only getting started. <laughs> And finally, oh my god, from Rancho Cucamonga <laughs> in California in the United States, it's Aaron Butler. Well, Cucamonga, let me be your butler. <laughs> <laughs> that is very Rancho <laughs> I've, That is the best city name I have ever heard, Rancho Cucamonga. And it, it definitely reminds me a little of Rancho Relaxo <laughs> from The Simpsons. Honestly, it does sound like a made-up place. I love it. <laughs> All right, welcome in. Aaron, Sean, Dylan, Haroj, and Mike. Um, so glad to have you in. Uh, party away to Lord and uh, drink some of those Lost at Sea cocktails. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, nothing else to do but boo this baby home. Who wants to do it? Davo? Uh, hit up dogoonpod.com for links to all our stuff. Uh, uh, we're at dogoonpod on all the social media. It's always good to uh, hang out with people online. But also, you can watch us this Saturday night if you're listening hot off the presses, our 300th episode, Live Spectacular. Tickets at sospresents.com. But find the link in the description of this episode. Matt's out on tour, as we said. Also, links to all of his shows. Mattsstewartcomedy.com. But until next week, I guess we'll say thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Later. Bye. Bye. 